Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis is off today. Alexa Dat, who worked late for Bally Sports last night, is in. Good morning, ma'am. Thank you very much for uh, the, the short night, the quick turnaround. How do you do with these? Are you pretty good at uh, not getting any sleep at all? I'm chugging a warm Diet Coke right now, Randy. What do you think? <laughs> no, no. I, I'm glad to see that, though, because my caffeine of choice is also soda rather than co- coffee. I'm not a coffee guy at all. So I tried to get off the Diet Coke game, and I did pretty well for a couple of months, but mm-hmm. it sucked me right back in, especially because it it's so easy. It's convenient, and it's that's the issue. It's addictive, isn't it? In this life. you got to find convenience. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. So there, there definitely is a warm can of Diet Coke sitting right before us. That's right. These hosts are my people, finally. and I'm, I'm tired of having to work with people who wake up by drinking coffee. No. Oh, the judgment that's coming at us is going to come from all <laughs> totally. angles, for sure. All totally. soda group here, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> that's right. That's the voice of Matthew Rocchio at 702. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, and the number of the day scheduled to arrive. The number of the day is five. Five in a row for your St. Louis Blues. <laughs> lose three, win eight, or no, win three, lose eight, Win five and back at 500. I love the music on this show already. I'm just digging it. This is like a throwback 2000s playlist. It Maybe is. a little Sesame Street thrown in there. Amazing. Five is our number of the day, isn't Amazing. it? Amazing. Great number. How about 47? That's a number. Thomas Grice coming through oh, in a man. huge way for that team. The goaltending for the Blues has been the reason that they have been in these games. Yeah, we were talking to JK yesterday about how the numbers, if you look at the statistics of the goalies, you say, eh, because they're not in the top half of the league. But because of what they've had to deal with, and last night, Grice, in another situation of being hung out to dry, they're the reason that the Blues were able to hang in during a lot of that eight-game losing streak. And one of the reasons that they have now won five in a row, last night was pretty darn impressive. The Blues getting off to a big lead. Braden Shen got things started. And now it's Kairou jamming it out with Barbashev. Jordan Cairo and Braden Shen over the Washington line. Shen shoots, score! Beats Charlie Lindgren on the stick side. Braden Shen's fourth of the year. 4.56 gone in the first period, 1-0 Blues. Blues weren't done in the first period. Pavel Buchnevich is rounding back into form. Puck into the Blues, get it off the corner, Buchnevich. Wrap around, he scores! What a wrap 
from Tarasenko. 12.50 to go in the first 2-0 Blues. Tori Krug scored before the first period was out, and Alexa, it's 3-0 Blues after a period, and I think all of us are thinking, oh, five in a row, easy. Oh, Bernie Federico and I were giddy during the first <laughs> intermission. We were like, oh, we got this in the bag. I said, I turned to Bernie and I said, what are the chances that they bench Chucky Sideburns and we see Darcy mm-hmm. Kemper in this one? Because I really do think that they don't want to embarrass him back where he, you know, had played before. So, and Bernie looked at me like, no, nah, that's not going to happen mm-hmm. unless they come out, you know, and score an early goal in the second and all of a sudden it's 4 nothing. and you've got a different story. And then obviously the exact opposite happens. Right. Nobody scored early in the second, but at the 15-12 mark, Alex Ovechkin with his ninth of the year, John Carlson scoring at 17:36, and all of a sudden it's a 3-2 lead for the Blues. But just after Carlson had scored for Washington, the Blues captain came through. Falk down the right wing, Levo to the goal line for O'Reilly. What a goal! He scores an unbelievable highlight backhanded goal by Ryan O'Reilly, and the captain gives the Blues a two-goal lead again. 1:58 to go in the second period. What a goal. It was spectacular. You won't see a better goal this season in the NHL. That was really sexy. I think Buchnevich's wraparound, incredible. Mm-hmm. Especially the fake at first and then the wraparound to dunk it in. And then O'Reilly, that backhander, I mean, you know, hoisting it over the blocker. It just it looked beautiful. Yeah. It, and you don't really see that at this level in hockey that often. And the no look. Just incredible. So cool. It was very, it was great. So it was 4-2 Blues after two, but things kind of unraveled in the third period. 15-46 Carlson scores again on the power play. Connor Sheary with his seventh of the year at 16-57 and it looked like Washington had scored the go-ahead goal. Thank goodness there was a high stick to prevent them from scoring the go-ahead goal with just over two minutes left. The high stick, then if that wouldn't wasn't called, they were going to challenge for goalie interference. There's a lot going on <laughs> there, on that play, was. right? Bruni yeah. was like, I don't know. They'll figure it out. And they did. They called it off. And so we went to overtime, no goals. We went to shootout, and we wound up in a sudden death situation. Butchnevich with what wound up as the Blues winner. Buchnevich skates it in, waits, deep shoots, scores, high glove! And the Blues have their first lead on the shootout. And if Grice can get one more save, the Blues will have snatched victory from defeat. That was the sixth Blues attempt at Charlie Sar- uh, Lindgren, Chucky Sideburns, and Grice was able to get one more save. Sherry, a left-handed shooter, picks it up on the blue dotted center. Brings it in from the right side. Wait, shoots. Save, Bryce. Bring out the Zamboni. The Blues battle back in the shootout. They steal the win right back from the Caps. They've won five in a row. They've tied an NHL record. And they get out of here with a 5-4 shootout win. And this is unbelievable. Who would have thought a week ago that a Blues team that had lost eight in a row now would be threatening for a wild card spot? With Anaheim coming into town for two, Alexa, the Blues have 16 points. They're a point behind Nashville for the final wild card spot, two points behind Edmonton, and three points behind Colorado. If you just look at the stats from last night, the Blues got demolished. They sure did. I mean, they were outshot 51-24. to 24. The Ozone possession time was nearly double for the Capitals. The amount of mistakes that they made in the second and third period was astounding. So for me, yes, there's no way I would have predicted this, but the way that they're winning these games is they're basically eking by in a lot of them. 
because of their goaltending. Jordan Bennington has been incredible. Mm-hmm. And then Thomas Grice comes through in a huge way last night. And he's stopping shots. They Like you said, they left him out to dry. And he picked up the slack and picked up his first win as a Blue. And the Blues need to find a way. And fortunately for Coach Berube, even though they've won five in a row, he has a lot of coaching points today. <laughs> he can he can get them out on the ice. He can show them a lot of video because he can act like they lost this one. The moms are gone now, and now he can start to be critical again. <laughs> yeah, but how about the moms coming through 3-0 and on the trip? Very impressive. I think that there was a lot of extra incentive to play in front of the moms to be, you know, have them be proud of their sons. And, you know, that definitely fueled a lot of this, this win streak. But you also saw some skills. You saw some guys break out. I mean, O'Reilly has been excellent over the last six games and Kairou has stepped up in a huge way too so you're starting to see what we didn't see earlier and kind of scratching our head as to why the talent level wasn't there now you're starting to see it reemerge and I think it's because it's meeting the effort level and once you put that together all of a sudden here you go absolutely the Blues and the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night and that's a six o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN there was more great news for St. Louis sports fans last night as Cardinal first baseman Paul Goldschmidt won his first National League MVP award it's a great honor it's uh you know but it isn't just about me I mean it is about the teammates I had and the coaches and and guys I played with in the past even guys I haven't played with I've learned a lot from a lot of different players and I think it means a lot to all of those people and I hope they know how much of an effect they had on my career you know my family here my parents I mean coaches that go all the way back to to little league and, and select ball and scouts and minor league coaches and you know just different organizations I mean there's been so many people that have helped me and you know I just feel like God has blessed me to surround me with great people and I've just tried to soak up their knowledge and wisdom and try to use it to the best of my ability so whether I, I won this or not it was going to be a great year this was my best year and the most fun I had you know playing with <laughs> Nolan and Albert and so many guys we had so it was just incredible some people love how humble Paul Goldschmidt is and I'm one of those people but there is a small part of me that just wants Paul Goldschmidt to say haha I won <laughs> you lost loser I'm the best yeah. shove it up your butt like I just think that there there are so many superstars in in different leagues where they have this bravado that people are attracted to they're mm-hmm. they attach to that and Paul Goldschmidt is the total opposite and I absolutely adore him for that it's it's harder to cover though because you want the guy to just gush about himself. You want him to accept mm-hmm. all these accolades and and you know I'll, I'll keep talking about it, it, me 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 me. The guy is constantly deflecting. It's just who he is. He is so incredibly humble. And congrats to Paul Goldschmidt. Big day for him. When he was introduced by the Cardinals, Bill DeWitt Jr. said, "This is the perfect Cardinal," and he really does fit what they are. I mean, when we talk about the the Cardinal way, being a good player but being humble and willing to do the little thing that aren't self-serving, but just to help the team win. It's not just words with Goldie. He plays that way. He lives that way, right? It's all about the team. He's also obsessed with baseball. Mm -hmm. And it's not a fake front that him and Nolan Arenado are best friends. They travel on the team bus together. They're on the team plane together. These two in the locker room are constantly talking baseball Mm -hmm. and stuff that will blow your mind. The information that they gather and dissect it it's so interesting to listen to them it's almost like they're speaking a different language so he is baseball through and through so yes the perfect cardinal Machado finishes second in the voting Nolan Arenado finishes third it's the 18th most valuable player award for the Cardinals by the way Goldie had been a runner-up twice 
and he had been a top six finisher five times. So good to see him get rewarded for a great, great, great career. Thursday night football, not many people saw it probably because it was kind of boring, even though it was the Cheeseheads. The Titans over the Packers 27-17. We're going to talk later in the show, Alexa, about Aaron Rodgers. He turns 39 on December 2nd. And I'm kind of wondering if the the window's closing on the Packers with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. Yeah, that could be something. But here's the other thing. He's constantly complaining. Yeah, he's he like, is. There's no talent around me. What am I supposed to do? I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be successful with this group. How is that supposed to rally your team? How is anyone supposed to play for you when that's your rally cry? That's the opposite of Paul Goldschmidt. That's right. right. That's if right. Goldie would be dragging guys along <laughs> that's and right. complimenting them. And you're right. Rogers saying, hey, uh, we got to have guys start making plays. Well, you've got to start making plays. That's why you're the $40 million man. And maybe just keep your mouth shut about the rest of the team. About how much greater you are than everyone yeah. else. That's yeah. that's not rubbing anyone the right way. Just go back down to South America, do your ashwagandha, <laughs> whatever you're into, and maybe that's <laughs> yeah, right. maybe that's how you enjoy your your season, dude. Because it's not winning football games. And Alexa, Dad, I got to get your take on this. This morning announced that with the World Cup starting next week, Qatar has banned alcohol sales around World Cup stadiums. How now, dare they? Do they not watch Ted Lasso? (laughs) There's got to be a way for these poor soccer fans to get some beer into their belly. It's going to be 110 degrees. How else are you going to survive any of those soccer matches? Yeah, You're You're going to have to drink in order to to be able to have a good time. These people are unbelievable. I know. Come on. I know. It's going to be rough out there. (laughs) That's Alexa in for Carrie. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. And coming up... The Cardinals need more pitching, but will it be hard for them to find more pitching that'll come here? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Alexa Dat from Valley Sports in for Kerry Davis. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker And Alexa... Last year, I asked John Mozeliak one time, I, I, let me preface this by saying that Bill DeWitt has consistently said, he asks his group every day, what is our competitive advantage? What will give us an advantage over other teams that we're doing today that they aren't? And one of the things that I thought of is having professional veteran bench players. The Cardinals for the last two years essentially had a rookie bench. And one of the things that the Cardinals have trouble with, most of we, we've tried that, for example, bringing in a Corey Dickerson, but players want to be guaranteed a chance to play. So at the press conference at the end of the season, Mo said, I've got my five starters down in pen. It's Wainwright, Flaherty, Michaelis, Mats, Montgomery. Those, those are my five, and I've got them down in pen. And I would think, and tell me if you agree with me, that the same thing applies for a starting pitcher. Unless you're going to blow other teams out of the water financially, pitchers are going to want to pitch, right? If you're going to go try to sign a starter, they're going to say, well, how do I fit in here? When you're saying you've got your five guys in pen. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the main thing is, since they're looking for a catcher and a left-handed bat... And listen, as he also said, you can always use more starting pitching. But because those are their main priorities, that will be tackled first. And as we've seen over the last couple of seasons, at the trade deadline is where they do most of their damage with pitching. They go in trusting their guys, seeing what they're going to get, seeing how it shakes out. And then if they need some help, okay, at the trade deadline, let's add a couple of veterans. Let's figure out the injury situation because 
unfortunately, that's always the case. So for me, I don't think you really need to add anything to this right now. You need to see what these guys are going to give you. Adam Wainwright said, I didn't particularly listen as well as I should have Mm -hmm. to the staff of what they were telling me about my stride. I went back and looked at the tape. Now I know how to correct it. I'm coming back for another year. Watch me. And this is a show me state. So Adam Wainwright is coming back for his final year to be able to prove something. I feel like we're going to get good things out of him. But again, that's just a feeling. You don't, we don't know. And so you're going to have to be play it out first before you go making a decision to bring somebody else in here, guaranteeing them some playing time rather than just, well, come join the fray and, and see what happens. And the Cardinals have a problem in that they are abiding by a budget. They, they have a self-imposed cap, right? So are they going to go sign Justin Verlander for $120 million over three years? No, that's not going to happen. Are be they nice, gonna- though. Hmm? It'd be nice, though. It would be great. I, I would love to see it happen. I would love to see him pursue a guy like uh, Rodon or even Nathan Eovaldi. I think he'd be effective and he'd fit well in the Cardinal rotation. The problem the Cardinals have is that while abiding by their salary cap, their self-imposed salary cap, they're counting on Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is really a difficult proposition because... As much as I love Wayno, and I, I think Montgomery is going to be really good, and I like Matt as a back of the rotation guy, and Michaelis was terrific last year. But the only guy they have that has the potential to be a number one, number one, to go head to head against a Max Scherzer, or head to head against a healthy Walker Bueller, or head to head against Spencer Strider, the only guy they have that's capable of that is Jack Flaherty when he's healthy. That's right. And so that's what they're counting on. So. That's a big gamble mm-hmm. because we haven't seen a healthy Jack Flaherty in a bit. But when he is healthy, he's a game changer. He's the guy that you want at the top of your rotation. So it's worth it for the Cardinals to figure out what they're going to get from him before going to seek anything elsewhere. Because you don't want to give up on Jack Flaherty. That's potentially giving up on you know a diamond in the rough right mm-hmm. now. And to be able to walk away from that, they've walked away from situations before and regretted it. Sandy Alcantara is now winning Cy Youngs down in Miami. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they don't want to have any sort of regret. It's make sure that we give this player every opportunity when they're healthy to be successful. And then if for some reason it doesn't work, we move on. But the upside is much higher. And by the way, if they lose a pitcher that's not Miles Michaelis, and even Wayno, because as much as we love Wayno, the fact of the matter is he's 41, right? Sure. So Wayno, Montgomery, Mats, I'm, I'm not 100% confident, but I'm intrigued enough to have a Dakota Hudson with a pitch clock as my sixth starter. He was so much better when he came back from Memphis and actually had to work fast. He, he worked fast down there, got it into his system. And I think he's one of those guys who thinks too much on the mound when he has too much time. 100%. I do also think the pitch clock is going to change for everyone in the league. So that's just going to throw an extra element to the season in general, watching these guys work with the pitch clock. And I think there's an added benefit for Dakota because he did go through those injuries. He was sent down. He did work with the pitch clock already. He's been under pressure in those situations. So he's got the experience to be able to bring it back up here and say, OK, I've done this before. I've had success with it. And everyone's telling me it's working. Why not try you know, to, to really give it a a go and you really have no other option but for me I think for the rest of the rotation it's going to be interesting too because these are guys who have been pitching a certain way for so long in their career now all of a sudden here we go we're just going to totally switch up your entire situation and that that's a different element 
for sure. There's going to be pressure, right? You see yeah. that clock right behind home plate? Totally. And, and, and you have 15 seconds with nobody on base, too, from the time you catch the ball to deliver it. It is going for Gallegos. Can you imagine uh, how tight he'll be? Uh, thank goodness for spring training because I can't. Here's a guy that takes 35 seconds. Yeah. So he's, he's got to cut it down by 20. He's he's going to have some work to do. I bet. <laughs> I guarantee you that was the first thing they thought about, and they're working him in the offseason yeah. to get him ready with, for pitch clock. So we've hit on starting pitching. We know that the Cardinals need to get a catcher. That's obvious. They, that's one thing that they admit. You are 100%. Uh, correct, and I agree with you 100% about the left-handed bat, but what about a veteran reliever? Because last year was a really young bullpen for the Cardinals, and you've worked enough with BT and Al. It just seems like having that veteran guy down there just to settle down the young troops really does present an advantage. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a... One of the pieces that the Cardinals would look at for the offseason. Here's my thing with the Cardinals, though. This is an opportunity that you're never going to have again, I believe. You're never going to have a season where you had fans come out every single game watching baseball history being chased and putting so many butts in seats, making a good amount of money from it. And then having this surplus to be able to turn around and spend in the offseason. Mm-hmm. This, this just comes around once a lifetime. So spend that money. Spend that money now. I'm with you. And it's the best opportunity to do it. And this isn't going to be a situation you're going to get again in your life. And Alexa, put it in this perspective. And again, I'm being realistic. I'm being dreamy uh, at the same time. But if you want to continue that... That's why you go get a Trey Turner. If you want to continue to put butts in the seats and you have three guys every day, hey, let's go see Turner play. Let's go see Arenado play. Let's go see Goldie play. And then you're bringing up the best prospect in baseball. You've really got something going for you. You can never have too many good players. But one of the things that John Hamm said in the hype video for Trey Turner is it's a guy who put puts butts in seats. In addition to being a really good player, he's a really good face of the franchise guy, too. Could you imagine Trey Turner playing here? Oh, man. But the thing is, when you have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, it, they're, they're the beacons. You want to go play with those yeah, guys. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if Judge at least checked in. And said, okay, let's have the two MVPs join up in a lineup. Why not? That would be a lot of fun. Not saying he's coming here, but I'm no. saying like it's definitely a, a something on his radar for sure. Because those guys are so enticing to want to go play with. And one thing, and you know this, and I know this, and we'll get a ton of texts. Boy, it would be nice if Mose Alak would just try to win a World Series and not just try to get to the playoffs. I have yet to see Alexa, a World Series champion that didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> I just, I, I don't see that happening. Also, the trend of lack of offense in the postseason has to end immediately. Yeah. For the right, Cardinals. Right. That's nothing Mosella can do at that point. They crushed it in August, fell asleep a little bit in September, but were non existent in the postseason. And we have a tendency to focus in on the big boys. But it was everybody. What, they have two hits in game two against Philadelphia? It was everybody. And that's another place where a Trey Turner is a known quantity. If you can have Turner at short and Edmund at second, rather than relying on one of those kids, and those kids might grow up to be great players. But I, I sure like having the idea of a known quantity at shortstop. Who's been, can you win a World Series with Trey Turner playing shortstop? Yes, because I've seen it happen. That's right. Exactly. So that's what we're looking for. That's Alexa. I'm Randy. Coming up. Jay Delsing's going to join us. We're going to talk a little golf and a little more. Jay's a fun guy, and he joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
Alexa Data, Bally Sports for Kerry Davis. Matthew Rocky is here. I'm Randy Carricker, and as always on Fridays, at this time we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jay Delsing is with us. Jay will have his show Sunday morning at nine here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Jay. How you doing? I am doing well, guys. Good morning. How are we doing? Everything's good. Okay, we got a question to start things off. If somebody were to be planning a rehearsal dinner during the summertime, how would Wild Crush fit in those sorts of plans? Would that be something that you and the folks at Wild Crush would be receptive to, a rehearsal dinner? Oh, yeah, gosh. How are we doing with the Wild Crush plug right away? I love it. <laughs> we were talking about it during the break. I'm, I'm sitting next to somebody who's getting married. Oh, my gosh, Alexa, you got to come on over. We've had three weddings there. We've had multiple uh, re- rehearsal dinners and, and bridal showers and things like that. We uh, Our patio is, is just spectacular. I gotta, you got to come over for a tour. Um, and we, we'll, we'll tell you all about it. It's uh, And we have wine. So we have wine on the tour. We have wine while you're sitting there. We can, you know, we, we don't have coffee. I'm not a coffee guy like you guys are. So we, we don't have any coffee in the studio wine. either, Jay. That's <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. Well, that's awesome. Jay and Randy hooking it up, making it happen. I love it. Yeah, I'd love to come over and check it out. I've been on the hunt for something for our wedding. We're going to get married here in St. Louis, which I think was a shock to my entire family because I originally was going to plan to do it on the East Coast. But we're here in St. Louis. Why not try and make it happen here? So, yes, I'd love to come check out Wild Cross, Jay. Thank you. Of course. I'll text you. We'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get together after Thanksgiving or something. I love it. All right, Jay, we have spent a year. It was actually about this time last year that Phil Mickelson gave his interview to Alan Shipnick, and all of this live controversy started. Here we are a year later, and it's still going on, and Rory McIlroy saying this week that Greg Norman needs to step down if there's ever going to be peace in golf. You know what, Randy? I mean, one of the things that's happened uh, – Rory McIlroy has really stepped up as kind of a, uh, I don't want to say the face because no one will be bigger than Tiger, but Rory has really come into his own. And I, he's 100% right. If, there, if we're going to try to figure this out, Greg Norman has got to go because Greg Norman is divisive. And we, if we're going to reunite this thing and if, if somehow the fences are going to be mended, it's going to be without Greg because he's got a perpetual axe to grind. And I, I it's really kind of shocking. Here's a here's an Australian kid, great talent, obviously World Golf Hall of Famer. But why is he so pissed off at the PGA Tour? <laughs> I just can't figure it out. He's made, you know, millions and millions of dollars, and 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 it gave him the platform to play, and it, it just seems so misguided to me. Do you believe that the Live Tour, though, is sustainable? I mean, golf but louder. That doesn't really seem like something that it, it, this culture can embrace and have it be a long-term solution for entertainment and golf no i don't see not as it stands now i mean how long before the saudis just lose interest i mean there's not a business plan in in that i'm aware of and i'm kind of in the weeds on this stuff there's they just you know i i got asked um about the world golf ranking points and i'm i'm like Tell me who, so you have a 48-man field compared to a 156-man field for most PGA Tour events. Tell me anybody on the planet can name me the latter 24 of the 48 that are playing in these events, and they're 54 holes, and it's a shotgun start. I mean, guys, you just can't throw a bunch of, and they do have some good top-end players, no question about that. But you can't just throw something together 
not meet the criteria that's set for world golf ranking points and expect to get them just because you want them. <laughs> that's right. that's exactly right. And the interesting thing, Jay, is you talk about those lower end players. A lot of those are 20, 21, 22 year old guys that, at least from my viewpoint, aren't they're giving up their opportunity to be golf stars by being on the live tour. They are, Randy. They're, they're taking the money and they're taking it at a time where we don't know what this how this is going to play out in the next five years or so. Are there, is there going to be some sort of reconciliation? Is there going to be some sort of sitting out period where you're going to get to have a, an opportunity to come back and play on the PGA Tour? I sure hope that there's some way to get the best players in the world together and, and playing more. But the, the, Peter Jacobson was, was talking to me a couple of weeks ago, and he said it's the perfect example of golf's Harlem Globetrotters. He goes, because we're not, con- we're not convinced that the payout is actually getting paid out to them because of the, the massive amounts of money they signed for. And so it's like a lot of talent, but the outcome is really, you know, already been determined. It doesn't really matter. And you're also, guys, think about this. When you, when you design a golf course, Randy, you know how a golf course on the back nine will kind of crescendo most of the time to the 18th hole where mm-hmm. you can kind of have some sort of drama and, and, um, and, the, and the tournament can play out. Well, you and I are playing in a live event and you're putting to win the tournament and you're on hole three and I'm on hole 14 and Alexa's, you know, got an eagle putt and she's on hole seven. How does that make any, I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's the thing. And the key word there is crescendo. You have to be, things have to be geared towards an exciting finish and they can't be. If you have it set up that way, if you're a, a spectator on the course, there's absolutely no way that it can be exciting for you, right? No. So how how are you going to say that? I'm going to be texting you. Yeah. Hey, Randy, you've got a ten footer. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so into this. You're like, no, this doesn't make it. No. I mean, I get what the Greg Norman's trying to do, but one of the things that he's forgotten, Randy, and one of the, and guys, one of the things that is so. Um, why golf has done what it's done for so long is that our demographics have money and they are educated. And for the marketers out there, our demographics are actually kind of the apple of everyone's eye. Yes, they're a little bit older, but most younger people don't have a lot of expendable income. And so they want to market to the people that do. And so it's great to try to bring in some younger kids, but they're not going to spend, they're not going to be the people buying new drivers in supporting the game like like these others are. It's just it's just weird. It just seems to me to be way too vindictive and way too uh, divisive for this to, to work. I, I just don't see how they get together unless Norman's off out of the picture. So, Jay, along those lines with the disposable income, early next year, Callaway is going to unveil their new great big Bertha irons that have titanium and tungsten, and they are supposed to, to quote, deliver premium performance for golfers who struggle to generate club head speed. I need to know from you, how much, in terms of advanced technology, do these clubs actually help a golfer, and how much of it is just marketing? Right. So, Eli, first of all, you got to remember Callaway is uh, a phenomenal marketer. I'm not saying that there isn't some truth in it, Randy, but if you don't – so let, I'll put it this way. If you're, the irons that you have in your bag, male or female, if the irons in your bag are, are more than 10 years old, 
then you need to look into this technology. If you've got something like um, Randy, what irons are you playing these days? I've got Big Bertha irons, and they're they're yeah. going to be eight years old. Yeah, so I, I I mean I think you're in good shape. I think you're in good shape. I think I, I need new ones, I but see, that's me. But, well, we can have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, Joe, just have Joan call me. We'll get a, a Christmas present lined up for you. But what, what's interesting is that you come out and see guys that, that have a, a set of clubs that are 15 or 20 years old, and those were the old sweet spots, Randy, and, the, and, the, and you know, not new shaft technology. That that stuff is really makes it hard because you don't have the, the – these newer irons have this corrective um, – uh, characteristics that you'll hit a ball on the heel or the toe and it'll actually go back towards the target instead of going away from it a lot of times, especially with the drivers. Because the drivers are, you know, the driver heads are so big and the sweet spots are so big and the heel and toe shots all are now designed to go back towards the middle of the fairway. And back in the day, man, they, you know, when you hit a, a bad shot with a wooden driver, it, it was like a broken bat in the ball field. It was like this felt terrible and your ball didn't go anywhere. Oh, man. Randy, I think you're gearing up for some new clubs for a beautiful Christmas present. I can I can see the wheels turning <laughs> right sure now as I'm listening. sitting here I, watching I, I, you. We need a video. We need some video here. <laughs> Jay, my wheels were turning last night when I was trying to figure out a, what I wanted to talk to you about today. And so I decided to loop in one of your good friends, Bernie Federko, for some suggestions of what to talk about. And Bernie said, listen, I've played golf with Jay. He's played hockey with me. So I'm curious as to how accurate this statement is, Jay. Bernie Bernie said, oh, I'm a better golfer than he is a hockey player. Is that true? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's no. not even close. Bernie, Bernie, I can't skate, Alexa. I, so the guys take me down, and I am so excited. And the first thing they do is they give me a helmet that's got a cage on it. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I don't want to fall and hit my face. I don't want to puck. I don't want to stick in the face. In the first five minutes, Kelly Chase shoots a puck from the point. It hits somebody's stick. It hits what it broke in my nose, 100%. And I am so relieved, you guys, because I could barely stand up. And But when it hits the mask, your your helmet, it made like a little bell ringing sort of noise. I look around, and every one of these guys is laying on the ice laughing at me. <laughs> They're laughing at me, and I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Who wants a broken nose? They're like, you are such a baby. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want a broken nose. And I, I was, you know what they called me? They called me Carl Walenda when I was skating because I used my stick as a balancing point. I couldn't skate at all. I was awful. That Terrible. is so funny. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, I love that. Follow up to that, though, Jay, is Bernie wants to know who your best caddy was. Oh, it had to be him. I never <laughs> had any Hall of Fame guys. We had so much fun. I, I can remember one time saying, Bernie, what do you think? You know, we've got the wind doing this, and we have this, and 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 I want to do this. And he said, "I have no idea. <laughs> you do, you do whatever you think." <laughs> he started laughing. They really cut some of the tension. He's like, "Gosh, I have no idea. I didn't realize you were thinking about all that 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 much stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, we have all these conditions going on. We we had they had so much fun." And he was, uh, and you know what's funny about Bernie? I brought out my small bag. The first time that he caddied for me, the second time he's like, I want the big one. I'm oh. like, no, you don't. He's like, oh, yeah, I want the big one. And so he actually carried 18 holes one time with my tour bag. Wow. That's, he's tough. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's good. That's, there's a lot there. That's great. It's Bernie, I know. Hey, Jay, before we let yep. you go, you have the show on Sunday morning. What do we got coming up? 
We've got Jimmy Williams Jr. on the show. He was a young man I met when he was 10 years old um, who needed a heart transplant down at Cardinal Glenn. And, yep. and this is how cool, and, and Alexa, this is how, what an what a unbelievable human being Bernie is. We go, I go out to meet Jimmy and his dad for lunch, and the Blues had just won the Stanley Cup. I go by Bernie's house, pick up his Stanley Cup ring so I can show this young man, and maybe mm-hmm. we can have some fun with it. Guys, we are sitting at lunch, and Jimmy Jr.'s got the ring on, and he, we're, he and I are cutting up and acting like fools, and his dad gets the call, the call for the heart. Wow. I was wow. In, oh, my gosh, you guys, even saying that to this day just still gives me chills. It, it was an unbelievable experience for me, and this young kid is doing well. He's an author. He just wrote a book, number one seller on Amazon um, uh, book list. He does stuff with Matt Holiday and the, and the um, Homers for Health at Cardinal Glenn. And this, this 13-year-old kid is a rock star, and, and it was a pleasure to get to have him on the show. And last time I was around Jimmy, he was nationally ranked. Is that still the case? He, he was. I don't know. I, I Gosh, I was talking to him about his book and everything. I should okay. have, Randy, because he, he finished third. He, he Guys, he had, a, he had 16% heart capacity in a 101-degree temperature uh, heat down in Orlando when he was 10 and finished third. And and uh, was throwing up, and I mean, uh, this kid just he, he, he just he just was was gutting it out. It's it's a it's a neat story. Jay, a couple of years ago, I was playing in the Cardinal Glennon Golf Tournament, and Jimmy was the the long drive hitter on one of the par fives. So, so you yeah. know they have long drive guys or, or or women on on a hole. Jimmy was our our long drive guy, and he was fantastic, hitting right down the middle. Yeah, that's a great family and a fun story. And I mean, it just makes you count your blessings. I mean, when you start thinking about some of the first world problems we worry about all mm-hmm. day long, and then and then that comes along, it really helps you pull your head out. Looking forward to that, Jay, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys, too. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. See you later. That's the great Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Alexa and Randy, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Take it or leave it is coming your way next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Alexa Dat is in for Kerry Davis, who is out today. He'll be back on Monday. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker, and we open up the text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Alexa, Paul Goldschmidt does win the first Cardinal MVP last night since Albert Pujols back in 2009. Take it or leave it. Next year, the Cardinals have another MVP, whether it's Goldie or somebody else. Leave it. I'm going to leave it, too. Yeah. So. I don't think they're going to have an MVP for a while. They have guys with ability. For sure. But, I mean, it's so smart to just play the field, right? 100%. Because... The odds are stacked highly against you hard, with that one. Hard to win those things. For sure. <laughs> um, Randy, take it or leave it. Alex Ovechkin will end his career as the most prolific goal scorer in NHL history, passing Wayne Gretzky. I'm going to take that. He's just over 100 away, correct? He needs 106. 
to pass Gretzky. I'm going to take it. I think three, four more years. And he's not that old. He is, he's not 35 yet, is he? He's 37. 37, okay. I still think four Almost more 38. years. Almost 38. Yep, th- four more years, 25 a year. I, th- I think he'll be able to do it. I'll take it. I mean, he's going to pass Gordie Howe this season, mm-hmm. maybe this month, Yeah. coming up soon. And then I believe that he walks away from the game the yeah. greatest of all time. And uh, I asked John Kelly yesterday, and I've asked Panger, I think because of the circumstances under which he's playing, Gretzky played in a, and Gretzky wasn't a pure he was goal scorer. He wasn't a sniper. Hully played in an era where every game was seven to five. Gordie Howe played for like 35 years. My belief is that Alex Ovechkin, even if he were to retire today, is the best pure, pure goal scorer in the history of the league. I would agree with that. And I think it's because you know the shot's coming. You know where it's coming from, and you still can't stop yeah. it. And they had, what, six, seven guys injured last night, and he was still able to score. It's amazing. Oshie, Backstrom, out, out, doesn't matter. Yeah. But we still find a way. Right. And you can never find him on the power play. It's it, incredible. He, he just sets up in that circle to the right of the goalie. He's always there. He's always open. That's right. All right, Matthew, what do we got? That's my thing about Ovi. Even when he's 42, he's like, he's going to be able just to glide into that spot and take those and take those mm-hmm. one-timers, and he'll get the goals he needs. Yeah. He's in the best shape of his life, too, That's, just like every athlete. Yeah. Best yeah, shape yeah, of my life. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah, he looks great. Yamir Yager was also, I'm sure, in the best shape of his life when he was 38, But the thing 39. is, Ovi doesn't play his game based on speed. Right. No. That's the key. So the fact that he's going to slow down just a little bit doesn't matter. And he would be just... Even if he couldn't play, except on the power play, he's that good that you put him on the power play, that's all he does, and he still scores a bunch of goals for you. It's true. Take it or leave it. The catcher position is not the biggest priority for the Cardinals. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. I mean, you you want you don't even have a backup. You've got Kisner and Herrera. That's what you have. Who do you want, by the way? Do you want John Murphy? Do you want them to make a trade with the Blue Jays? My Go get Kirk. ideal situation would be Sean Murphy, yes. And the reason is that, well, let, let's start with Contreras. Apparently he didn't get traded at the de- deadline because teams were concerned about his ability to work with the pitching staff, which really concerns me when a guy's 30 years old and teams are concerned about that. But Kirk would be great. If I'm Toronto, though, I, I, I'm really good. I don't know if I want to trade Kirk for what the Cardinals would presumably have to offer. They're a pretty good team. I, I don't know if I'm Toronto and I sit and look at the Cardinal roster. Okay, who do they have that's going to make me better to give up an all-star catcher for? That's the problem. It's not a fit for Toronto. I don't think it is. No. We could say all day, we want Kirk here. You mm-hmm. know, we will take Moreno um, or Danny Jansen, whatever the case may be. But Toronto might look at us and say, for what? Exactly. What, right. are, you, what are you doing for me? Yeah. Yeah, right. that's the biggest problem. Say what you will about the Cardinals' philosophy and how they're building their team the smartest move is always to continue to build your team with that philosophy in mind. And if you're going to be defense-oriented, then catcher has to be a priority in that manner. And if that's the thing yeah. with Contreras, you can't break the mold of how this team should be built just to try to be like, well, we need we need a little hitting here. It's like, no, you have to go and push forward with the style that you've built the team around or else you're not moving forward with an actual mindset and, and goal. And that's so, the problem. I disagree with that. I actually think because they need to add length to this lineup that bringing in Wilson Contreras would be an awesome idea. So he needs some work defensively, you know, pitch framing, working with the, the guys. But I think that that's a learned skill. That's not something that you're born with and that you can't teach. And I feel like this pitching staff, Dusty Blake, is awesome. That mm-hmm. guy's a savant. He is going to be so fun to talk to next year and watch him work. And I think that, it, that they're going to figure out a way, if Contreras is here, to make him 
elite at that. My thing with that, though, is that the Cubs went through a lot of pitching coaches and several managers and still couldn't get him to do it. Now, I'm I'm with you in terms of the bat. And, and if you give a guy a game plan, he should be able to execute the game plan. For me, the biggest thing, Alexa, is with the Cardinals, Adam Wainwright is going to pick his pitches. It, so is... Jack Flaherty, so is Michaelis, so is Montgomery, so presumably is Mass. I don't think that in its current iteration, the Cardinals staff needs a ton of guidance from the catcher like Yachty provided over all those years. It's a great point. And because Wilson Contreras is so young, he's still able to be molded, I think. And by these veteran pitchers, mm-hmm. they can come through and say, hey, listen, this is how we're doing things now. We're doing it the Cardinal way. And it's different from what you've done before. Forget that. We're going to relearn this, and you're going to relearn it our way. I, I wouldn't be bothered by having a 25 home run catcher. No, no, it'd be pretty cool. It'd be pretty nice. I'm just saying, Sean Murphy, you get like 19 yeah. or 20 and some pretty good defense. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So is Contreras your first choice? Contreras is my first choice. Right. Okay. Because so, I think it kills two birds with one stone. You need the offensive bat, and you need that catching position felt. By the way... I don't know why PETA people would bother about that. Who's ever killed two birds with one stone? It's not like it's going to happen, right? <laughs> Come on, PETA people. Let's let's be sensible here. Oh, my okay? God. It's just not... It's hard enough to kill a bird with one stone. One bird with one... You can't kill two birds with one, with one stone. It's just not going to happen. It is so Friday. I'm loving this right now. <laughs> uh, let Take me throw one reason. other thing out there for you, Alexa. What's up? Sean Murphy's a $3.5 million player. Wilson Contreras is a $20 million player. What if you could get Sean Murphy and that would free up funds to get our guy, Trey Turner? Yes, I would love that. (laughs) Everything on the wish list. I would like that better. Santa, please. Thank you. I would like that. Take it or leave it. Tarasenko will be traded by Christmas. Leave it. Leave it. They're winning winning games now. Come on. Yeah, we're only a month away. If, If they think, if Doug Armstrong specifically, believes that this team has a Stanley Cup championship hope, if he thinks they can win it, they won't trade him. And where's he going to go? What are you going to get back for him? There's way too many questions here that aren't answered for me to feel good about taking that. No, I'm leaving it all day. Take it or leave it. The United States men's national teams make it to the quarterfinals of the World Cup and celebrates with a nice bucket of Bud Zero. USA. USA. Bud Zero. Sober celebration. Yeah, I think I know where that came from, that uh, (gasps) that text. And yes, I'm going to take it, Bud Zero. Or I, <laughs> call your shot. You know the texter. Yeah, right. I think so. I'm gonna leave it because Bud Zero. I don't think anyone really <laughs> partakes. What do we go with then? Do we go with uh, what's the other one? The non-alcoholic stuff's kind of like the new thing. Like now they have like you can like there's like they they've made a super wide range of like mock cocktail kind of like okay mock cocktails like are different. Mocktails they're delicious. Okay. They've got juices. All they've right, got different enough. syrups. That's a fair point. Drinking a non-alcoholic beer. Is well, it worth like it? Beer to, more than you, it, apparently. Yeah. Is it worth it to <laughs> drink Agreed. beer you. if you aren't going to get drunk from it? Is so, the taste there? <laughs> is the taste of beer so good that you aren't going to be Randy's asking affected? The heart. It's not so, Wednesday, Randy. Calm down. So some people like the taste of beer. Some okay. people really enjoy a cold one, which I actually do every once in a while. I'm just not a huge beer drinker, but I don't, I don't mind the taste. Um, I'm not drinking it to really get drunk, but that slight buzz feeling is always really nice yeah. and you don't get that from maybe there's like a placebo effect and you have this place- bet, yeah. a placebo a, a placebo effect a placebo effect where you can kind of like maybe feel a little you know good because you know you're drinking a beer so the key key is to say bud zero it's just zero calories it's not not zero alcohol tell them that okay and they'll be thinking they're getting a little buzz just bring in the whole liquor cart and i feel like yeah. they'll get- just one so they'll feel like they're celebrating that's right 
Take it or leave it. Bob Gibson would have thrown a ball at the pitch clock. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, just one of them. <laughs> one one ball at one pitch clock. Yeah, just, just one, shatter it. Just one day. It's like, hey, Bob, you only got two seconds left. Yeah, they they would not <laughs> just no. destroy it. Gibby Quick would not move. have needed a pitch clock. Gibby Gibby got the ball and threw it. I mean, he was he he was eight seconds. He wasn't fifteen. I feel like a lot of the guys who played in generations before us are begging for the pitch clock. They're like, this game is way too slow. Mm-hmm. Why are you dancing on the mound? What's all this extracurricular for? Just throw the ball. Yeah. And I, I've talked to people within the Cardinals that are convinced that the hitters are going to be more affected by the clock than I think the pitchers. So. Sure. Nolan Arenado isn't going to be able to walk around anymore. Adjusting the batting gloves, yep. messing with the helmet, re you know gripping your your bat, and he's got to be in the box ready to go with eight seconds on the clock. He's got seven seconds from the time the pitcher gets the ball to be in there and ready to go again. That's a superstition and a routine that they have ingrained in them. So good luck switching that up. Yeah. They're gonna have to. And last one here, Randy. Take it or leave it. Rocchio pulls off the upset and wins next week's Thanksgiving side draft. I'm gonna leave that because I am not the Thanksgiving devotee that my uh, proportions would say I, I am. Oh, really? No. What I'm is not, your so, Thanksgiving I'm, side of choice? If you have to take one, overall. Do I have to go with a standard one, or can I go one that's a little bit more like you can go outside the family, box. general family one? We're gonna judge oh, you for okay. it if you do. Well, you, okay. You know, you know that you know the the cheesy potato casserole with the cornflakes on top. No. You, Scallop you, potato kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's my, we do like the like the diced hash browns kind oh, of yeah, like yeah. thing with you know it, that. Is my Delicious. favorite dish of all time. That's always on the Thanksgiving table. But I'm also like, I don't, wait, 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 wait. I don't, Hold I, on. I don't We're like We're mixing white. breakfast here with our Thanksgiving no, sides. But cornflakes pota- on top. Pota- no, that's like a. It just gives you a little crunchy aspect. What about the fried onions? There's no fried onions on top of this one. That's the crunchy though. Yeah, but that's this. It's different. It's a different. It's a different thing. That's why the corn. You've never. You've never had a, the casserole with the cornflakes on top for no. a crunch. No. Oh, that's a Midwestern staple. This is. That, that's a, It's an absolute Midwestern staple. It's right. Fried onions are bust but for also, me. I don't like white. I don't like white meat turkey, and so I, I only like dark meat. Well, we're so fine I, then. I, we're yeah. good. You I'm, can have all of the dark exactly. Meat. So like I I, I do well yeah. in my own kind of corner on Thanksgiving because I'm not a big pumpkin guy either. So so I give Alexa Dat the first pick in our Thanksgiving sides draft next Wednesday. What are you picking? Garlic mashed potatoes. Oh, good play. Whoa. Good play. I love good that one, right? Good play. Wow. Now, we really have not gone with mac and cheese until the last like half dozen years. Yeah. For me, it's mac and cheese. Yeah, that's also, that's 1A yeah. for sure. Good place. By the way, my birthday is on Thanksgiving. Oh, how, obviously that doesn't happen all the time. How do you like that? That's a high robbery. It is. That's not fair. No, you. Uh, People care way more about the yeah. food and the football. So eight-year-old Alexa, Hi, I'm over here. I would yeah. love that. It's my birthday. Yeah, Nobody where, cares. Where do you want to go for dinner on your birthday? Oh no, it's Thanksgiving. Sorry, Alexa. Yeah, everything's closed. But Everyone's hanging out with their families. But here's the thing. You're gu- your aunt. You're gonna see and your aunts birthday and uncles. Snob too. I'm the queen. <laughs> you're gonna see your aunts and uncles. It's your birthday. It's like, come on. I know. I know. Usually, you don't see me for for with them with them presents, but you can't just come over here empty-handed. It's my birthday. So it's really fun Break when it falls in. the day before or a couple days after, kind of in the realm, because then we get mm-hmm. to celebrate Thanksgiving and my birthday. Yeah. But when it's on the same day, it's like yeah. getting being born on Christmas. I'm sure there are people out there who have been born on holidays and they feel gypped. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if you're a kid, number one, the winter birthday kind of prevents you from being able to ride a bike if you get it for Christmas. True. Right? Yeah. But the other part of it is, my daughter's December 5th, and even for a youngster, it's hard to put together a Christmas list and a birthday list for the same month. Yes. It's frustrating. So yeah. 
It's the way it goes, though. Sorry, kid. <laughs> it's our fault. It is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't, have, shouldn't have done March. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Alexa, Matthew, oh, Randy, good day with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lost last night, pretty much knocking them out of the playoffs. Is Rodgers' window to open a Super Bowl closed now? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. We're not in a very good position right now, that's for sure. Like I told the guys, like there's there's no margin for error, period. And it's not like I know we got a really tough team coming up. It is Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. After a 27-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans last night, and Alexa, the Packers are obviously a storied franchise, and Aaron Rodgers is the two-time defending most valuable player in the league, but he is going to turn 39 in a couple of weeks. He's going to, on December 2nd, turn 39, and the only guy beyond the age of 39 at quarterback that's won a Super Bowl, well, actually, Peyton Manning did, but he really wasn't the man when he won with Denver in his last game, and uh, also Tom Brady. I, I get the sense now, with the contract that Rodgers has and the fact that he's going to pretty much have to play in Green Bay, they, since 2016, since they went to the NFC Championship game, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, six seasons, they have played five playoff games and they've gone two and three. Now, this isn't all on Aaron Rodgers, but with the disparity between he and the rest of the team in terms of age and ability, I really do think the Packers' window to win a super, another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers is closed. I 100% agree with that. And for me, it's not that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the ability to do it. I think he does. I think mentally, he's just not there. The fact that everything seems to be somebody else's problem He wants to pass the buck. And listen, if you're a great quarterback and they're not surrounding you with the pieces that you need, everyone else can see it. You don't need to say it. Yeah, right. That just needs to be left unsaid. You just need to put your head down and do your own work. And for you to get mixed up in all of that and then some off-season work. How's your uh, computer working over (laughs) It's Friday. She started freaking out. Sorry about that. Rocky, did you think that was you? I I literally, like, whenever there's a sound I don't expect, I just, like, throw down everything on the board and freak out. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, he just needs to to shut his mouth and play football. And I think that the complaining and all of the extracurriculars, it just seems like he's been checked out. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have that mental focus in order to to go win another one. Not that he doesn't have the skill set, but you got to put it all together in order to win. And he's just he doesn't seem to take losing as hard as some of his teammates. Have a glass of scotch and chill out a little bit. See, that's that's what he's. Just, yeah, they're like, where do you go from here? He's like, home. Yeah, that, that, that's it. Going so home. What about falling to four and seven last night with that ten point loss to the Titans? Well, I thought Ryan played really well for them. They uh, stopped the run, gloved us in the back end. Uh, We knew this crew 
doesn't throw a lot of flags. Um, so, you know, combine that with, you know, me missing some throws and us not capitalizing on a couple opportunities like Keyshawn's uh, return there. Getting points there obviously hurt us, but we just never could kind of get over that hump and get the ball back with a chance to take the lead. How about a little ownership there? He missed some throws. At least he admitted it. I mean, barely. He barely snuck that in there. <laughs> he just sounds defeated. Yeah, and you, you know what? With the, this offense now, and I will say that Matt LaFleur has not done a great job. This should have been a running offense. You got A.J. Dillon. You got Aaron Jones. You got that offensive line that's more built to run the ball. It should not have been an offense that threw the ball as much as it did until last week. So from Rodgers' perspective, what can he do with this offense and what's sustainable? Yeah, I guess that's the biggest question. And not much is really the answer. Right, because it's called one way. There's overreactions, you know, negatively and positively every single game you play. And uh, no offense, Tim, but, you know, like you haven't been the only one who's talked about sustainability in certain ways of winning and playing. Um, I think it's all week to week. It really is. You know, we, you know, you, you try and find your identity throughout the season. A lot of that is, you know, kind of just jargon to keep a conversation going. Uh, in fact, the most important identity is competitive greatness and going out there and playing your best when your best is needed. We hadn't played a four-quarter game uh, all season. I felt like that was really close uh, Sunday. This is a guy that never threw interceptions. It seems to throw a, not just an interception, Alexa, but a key bad interception every game. Against Detroit, he had three in the red zone at the goal line. Two of them were takeaways that the Packers should have scored on. I know I'm picking apart what he's saying in his press conference, probably a little too much, being a little too harsh, but anytime a guy says no offense, but... Yeah, and let me throw this out to you. We, we need to pick apart his stuff because he said he was immunized. That's right. Right? He brought that on himself. That's right. When we are talking about detail with him. That's right. So we are going to scrutinize you because you lied to us. Mm-hmm. So we have every right to come at you with the fine tooth comb. Exactly. That's true. So the team, four and seven now, and they've got six games left. What's A-Rod looking forward to? Yeah, season's not over. Uh, there's still six opportunities left. You know, we got a tough game. Got to go to Philly. Hopefully we can, these few days, get a little healthy or uh, refresh the mind. And then, uh, obviously, we got to win these next games. All due respect, A-Rod, your season is over. Uh, They're going to get demolished by the Eagles. Yeah, on... Uh, and uh, is that a that's a primetime game? It that's is. a Sunday night. Yep. And then they go to Chicago, and I know he owns the Bears, so give him that one. But then you've got the Rams at home, and you never know. They're two very similar teams right now. You go to Miami, you've got Minnesota, and then you finish up with Detroit. And Detroit always seems to give them fits. Yeah, th- there isn't a lot to look forward to. No. I wonder if he'll retire. I don't think so. I think he would stay with it. What I mean. I just don't think that this is the way he wants to go out. I think he may go somewhere else, though. I could see that happening, too. I just don't see the window in Green Bay being open. I don't know if Jordan Love can play. And I also don't know now, and we'd have to take a look at this, but where does Rodgers go? What team would he bring the Brady difference to? Unless Tom Brady retires. (laughs) <laughs> Tampa, that would be really Tampa interesting. Would be the one. What about the Commanders? 
Could you see them there in D.C.? You know what? They're they're actually ascending, aren't they? Yes, they are. They've, they've got some really good players on the outside with uh, Samuel and McLaurin. They've got nice running backs now with Gibson and the rookie Robinson. Their offensive line coach, John Matsko, was here with The Greatest Show on Turf. Mm-hmm. And they his offensive lines always punch above their weight. Yep. So And, and their defense, they get Chase Young back this week. I would be a fan of that. I would be really interested in that. And, and especially if you have a new owner. A new owner. you got like Matthew McConaughey on the sidelines mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers, you know, in the pocket. Jay-Z up in the booth hanging out with Jeff Bezos. I mean, it's just a party. Yeah. That's what you need there in D.C. Yeah, that'd be a, that's a great call, Alexa. I like that a lot. I like that thought. Yeah. We need to bring the Washington NFL franchise back to some semblance of relevance. Please. Alexa Dat, Randy Carricker, and next up, Joey V, our weekly visit with Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Alexa Dak is in for Gary Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joey Vitale is standing by. Joey, if you aren't aware of it, goes on a run every Friday morning, and this morning it was like 22 degrees, and he's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Have you thought out a little bit, sir? Well, I tell you what, it was a little cold. It was a little cold, but I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of reading. So apparently there's these, like, survival neurons that kick in when you put your body under massive distress. I don't know if you heard of this or not. but I have not. That's they, yeah, they say, like, cold water therapy is good or, like, saunas. Okay, so just because our environment has changed in the world, we're always conveniently comfortable and in the right air climates and things like that. The environment's changed, but our wiring hasn't. So essentially, when you go into cold weather or you dump in yourself into a cold tub like Ryan O'Reilly does between periods, your body doesn't know that you're, you're conveniently safe in your little space of a hockey game or like, hey, I can, I can find um, heat pretty soon. Your body just knows, oh, my gosh, this guy's freezing to death. i got to kick in these survival hormones. So essentially, essentially, it's supposed to add longevity to your life. I don't know. The scientists may be completely whacked out. I have no idea, but... I know that I've been going on cold runs with no T-shirt uh, mostly in the morning, or at least a T-shirt in itself with no sweatshirt, and I've been doing the, the cold water the cold water tub. I'll tell you one thing. I'm definitely more miserable than I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to in order to heat up when you get back home, Joey V? Oh, yeah, I tell you what, Alexa, you know, just being by the bread oven, you know, getting my hands in a nice warm dough, being by the bread oven, and uh, I tell you what, just walking in the house and be, being embraced by five young kids. You guys uh, – uh, you can imagine that, just the young kids just tackling you. Of course, the, the body warmth and trying to stay warm that, through that, of course, is, is something uh, that definitely keeps you warm. Joey, if you, one of the interesting things about our town is the Botanical Garden. I'm going to the gar- the uh, blue, the Garden Glow tonight at the Botanical Garden. It's going to be 20 degrees, and they've got plants out there. It doesn't seem to me congruous that plants and cold weather go together. Man, I tell you what, God bless all those people there at the Botanical Gardens. I've done the Garden Glow, Randy. It, it, it is absolutely fascinating. It may be my, it may be my go-to spot. And my wife, she's really, she's really into flowers and stuff. I, I've never been really into flowers. I don't know. I've never, never really taken that venture. Maybe one day when I'm a little bit older. But she can walk around Botanical Gardens with, with a friend and just kind of observe these flowers. But I, I agree with you. It's amazing to see 
how certain plants survive in certain things. And even like that, the pines are the, uh, you know, the types of bushes we have in front of our house that say green all year long. Um, it really does go to show you that um, certain things are meant for certain temperatures. And I uh, hope you have fun tonight. That, that should be a good time. Thank you. By the way, uh, we were talking earlier next week on Wednesday, we're going to do our Thanksgiving side draft. If you have the first pick in the Thanksgiving side draft, Joe Vitale, what are you choosing? Listen, listen, guys. I, I was actually on the road listening to you guys this morning. I, I got to be frank. Um, if the three of you invited me over to Thanksgiving, I'm actually going to go to Matthew's house because <laughs> this guy's doing it right. This guy's doing it right. Matthew, shout out to you. Cornflake potato casserole. Forget about it. That is the number one go-to side. Mac and cheese, Randy. It's not. It's not Fourth of July, bud. And Alexa, I'm sorry, but garlic mashed potatoes. That's for the birds. You save your garlic for the pasta, buddy. No garlic in my mash. <laughs> oh my goodness! You rather go with breakfast at Thanksgiving than some delicious, creamy mashed potatoes? I literally have never met a person that have more dislikes than you, Alexa, as far as food <laughs> similarity. I mean, you hate Reese's peanut butter cups. Yep. You put. You put garlic garbage in your mashed potatoes <laughs> instead of your pasta carbonara. And, uh, yeah, I was struggling with it. And Randy, oh my gosh, white meat, you kidding me? Matthew, you're doing all right, buddy. Dark meat, cornflake, uh, potato casserole, that's the way to go. God you guys, bless you, Joey. Do you do a pasta on Thanksgiving? You know, it's funny. Uh, when my nanu was alive, you know, he came over from Sicily. You know, the whole American dream story. We never had we never had turkey. We always had pasta and meatball. He didn't understand the turkey celebration and, and listen, maybe he was closer to what the actual pilgrims went through. You know, they say the pilgrims actually ate deer or like wildfowl, like a duck or a goose. I I don't know when the turkey thing the turkey thing came into play, but uh typically in that time of the time of the decade what was probably was deer. So maybe my nanu was onto something, but we had we had um ground meat meatballs and pasta he didn't really know any different because he was from sicily so every uh, traditional uh thanksgiving and christmas it was pretty simple you walk in you kiss nana you sit down everyone shuts up you eat your pasta you eat your meatballs then everyone congregates into the family room and uh, my nana would put on the godfather and <laughs> i was you know, six seven years old watching robert de niro wrap, wrap his pistol in a towel and <laughs> so yeah good times good times <laughs> I love family traditions and learning about everyone's. They're each individual tick and, and things like that is so cool. Hey, Joey V, I got to ask you about the Blues last night. Five game win streak. I mean, Thomas Grice standing on his head last night with those 47 saves. What's your biggest takeaway besides Grice from last night's win? Well, the biggest takeaway right now is that they're doing what they did last year, which is they're just finding ways to win games again. And that and that's a good feeling, Alexa. I mean, I know you were in the building last night and you were watching it as well. I mean, for that eight-game losing streak, it seems like they were looking for ways or finding any way possible to lose. And, you know, now they're, they're basically, you know, finding any ways to win. And we saw that last year, whether it be, you know, the, the depth scoring or the goaltending. Every game, it just seems like whatever it was, it worked that particular night. And it certainly uh, made, it, made it through last night. And that was a tough game for these kids. You know, it was a long road trip. It was a back-to-back game. You know, it, it was a mom ship, which was great. But it's also a lot of extra things. You know, guys didn't have a lot of time to, to unwind and just relax in the room. There was mom's dinners. And you always kind of, you know what I mean? You got, you got to be on. You know, we, we all know that. Like, you know, you go home, Alexa or Randy, and, and your significant other, if they're not home, it's kind of like, ah! It's kind of nice. I, I, can just, I can just be me and I don't have to you know, be any, any, anything for anyone else. You know, it's, it's kind of that feeling. And hockey players, they go through the same thing. When they hit the road, especially these guys with families and wives and kids, 
they kind of look for the road that, you know, they go out to dinners with the guys, but then they, they need that unwind, just that deep compression time. They didn't really get that over that last road trip, which again is why it was so surprising why they were doing and playing so well. But then, you know, in Chicago a couple nights ago, travel, we had a little bit of delay on, on the tarmac. We didn't get out of there in a good time. Not, not great sleep. And then you're facing the Washington Capitals, another team kind of struggling. So it's a lot of reasons coming on home ice, a lot of reasons for a trap game where maybe the Blues go out and throw up a stinker. Uh, but I really loved how they, they jumped into the game early. They were opportunistic about their shots. Braden Shen really got it going last night. The three on two, he, he could have passed an equal meek on the back door. I think he thought about it, but just the authority to shoot the pocket. And they did it very early, three goals in the first six shots. And then from there, it was just kind of like, hang on, uh, hang on for dear life. And of course, like you mentioned, Thomas Grice, you know, I know you look at the, look at the score sheet and he allows four goals. That's actually the first time he's ever played the Capitals in 12 games where he's allowed over three goals, uh, but they still get the win. Uh, it certainly isn't how you draw it up, uh, but at the same time, it was very entertaining. It was great for the fans, and it was great to see the Blues win their first shootout. Hey, Joe, one more thing from me, and that's in regards to the absence of Pareko, because I thought the second half of the third period in Colorado was the best he'd played all year. Then, obviously, he misses Chicago, misses last night. The Blues allow 51 shots. How different is it last night if Pareko is on the ice? Oh, it's much different, Randy. I mean, it's much different. Even go back to the Chicago game where you know we, we were getting a lot of pressure from the Chicago Blackhawks who stretches of that game as well. You know, with Colton with Colton on the ice, you know, of course you're looking at a player who is going to take up more space. He's going to have a good stick. He's going to block shots. He's going to be a one-man breakout. You have you have all those things. Uh, but, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that Colton provides um, for this Blues team is he's just that presence, right? You know, he's that player that he's on the bench, and as the other team is looking down the bench, they see him. It's just kind of an intimidating factor because he is just so massive and he has such an impact in the game. You know, they – there's stories of, of hockey players, and I know you've known them. I mean, let's just take Zane Chara, for example. Uh, Zane Chara gets popped in the mouth in that 2019 run. A uh, shot goes off uh, his shaft from Braden Chen, nicks him in the mouth, and he's pretty much done for that series, right? But do you remember what uh, Bruce Cassidy did? He brought him right back out to the bench. Uh, I think he even dressed the final, the next game, he although did. his minutes were, yeah, he, he, minutes were down, but he dressed. Why? Well, because sometimes it's just that presence. Sometimes just the presence of them being there not only helps the morale of your team, but also adds some intimidation factor for the other team. And I think that that's for, for Colt Pareko. He's starting to develop that in the league where he is just so big and so massive. Even when he's out there, um, it's not always what he does. It's just, you know, you have to observe and be aware of him on the ice and you have to really kind of cater your game um, to his style, which is a very, very difficult style to defend. But at the same time, you look at players that have stepped up in his absence. I mean, Justin Falk played, I think, close to 26 minutes, maybe maybe over in the Chicago game. Nico Mikola has been an absolute beast uh, for a kid that's just played over 100 games, uh, a young kid, a thriving kid, uh, a great draft pick for St. Louis um, under Bill Armstrong, and he's really developed into something great. And, of course, you look at uh, how Colton's missed some time, uh, but certainly the size and the speed and the offensive ability and the defending and shutdown ability of uh, killing penalties for Nico Mikola has certainly been there on all fronts, and uh, I'm happy for him, too, because his mom come a long way uh, from Finland there to watch him. He's been playing great hockey. You've been great. Joey, I'm going to wear a T-shirt and some shorts, go for a bike ride. I will report to you how my body reacts. Okay, yeah, those those survival neurons are going to be kicking in. Maybe you're going to be you're going to be thriving in about uh, twenty years. You're going to be miserable for the next twenty minutes. But I promise you, in twenty years, uh, according to this doctor, you're, you're going to be you're going to be good to go. I'll say that bike ride was really worth it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Seriously, have a, have a great weekend, buddy.
See you, Alex. See you, Randy. Have a great weekend. Thanks. See ya. Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. He is awesome. The Ram Das theory, which is basically submerge yourself in coal to long, elongate your life. Have you done the cold tub? No. I wouldn't do it. No, no, no. I'm dying young, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Me too. Staying warm. Hey, we need a fighter. Text in the word fight to 65780 if you'd like to participate in the fight. Next, with Alexa, Randy, and Matthew on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. to the opening drive with Randy Carricker and Carrie Davis. CD is off today on this beautiful Friday. My name is Alexa Dapp from Bally Sports, filling in for CD. And it is one of my favorite segments because I do not have to do any heavy lifting. I just get to sit back and admire the brainiac that is Randy Carricker. It is so fun to watch me or to watch him and me, actually, because I'm smiling the entire time, uh, just revel in his genius and the beatdown that he gives our listeners on a daily basis. Now, Randy would probably put it in a much nicer way. He and wouldn't. He wouldn't. Appreciate you've heard, you've heard him unload the, unload the clip. He, he, he wouldn't <laughs> listeners put it, coming on. He wouldn't put it in a nicer way. You're, just, you're giving him too much credit there, I think. I, I, I love it. So, who is going to get the beatdown today? Let's see. Welcoming Kyle into the fight today. Kyle, my main man, how are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Kyle, where is your confidence level like as you know that you are about to embark on this journey going up against Randy? It's about as high as these temperatures today. So. <laughs> I would feel the same way, man. Better you than me, though. So excited to get this started. All right, Kyle and Randy for this Friday fight. Here we go with question number one. Kyle, there are only two players to ever win MVP while on a last place team in Major League Baseball. Andre Dawson was the first one on the 1987 Cubs. Which early 2000s MVP is the only other? Is it Vladimir Guerrero, Jim Tomey, or Alex Rodriguez? I will go with A-Rod on the Mariners, maybe. The Cardinals have 18 MVPs total, with two of those being won unanimously. Albert Pujols did it when he won his third in 2009, but which Cardinal also won the award unanimously? Is that Orlando Cepeda, Bob Gibson, or Willie McGee? Let's go with Gibby. Okay, who is the last full-time pitcher to win an MVP in either league? Jacob deGrom, Clayton Kershaw, or Justin Verlander? I believe DeGrom did it. And happy birthday to North American football legend Warren Moon. Warren Moon started his pro career in Canada, winning five straight Grey Cups and an MVP in his six years north of the border. Which CFL team did he play for? Was it the Toronto Argonauts, the Calgary Stampeders, or the Edmonton Eskimos? Let's go with the Argonauts. All right, we'll double-check our score right here. And then we will rave Randy Carricker in, who is eating a power bar. He's and, powering up. And he's he, fueling. And he's, and he's, he's getting ready. On, and he's got the on-the-run foam 
I mean, this is this is a man who is fueled up for a weekend right here. He's got candy. He's got soda. The sugar rush is coming, Kyle. This this could go poorly for you. Kyle, how are you feeling about your answers now that you've heard the questions? Uh, just so-so. You know what? I, I think so-so doesn't feel that confident. As we welcome in your opponent, Randy is feeling high right now. I believe at the moment that this particular segment is sponsored by Mobile on the Run. Is I it believe not? you are correct, yes. And you are matching it perfectly with your delicious drink. <laughs> yes, I am. All right, Kyle, sit back and watch the master perform. Here we go. Randy, question number one. There are only two players to ever win MVP while on a last place team in Major League Baseball. Andre Dawson was the first one on the 1987 Cubs. Which early 2000s MVP is the only other? Early 2000s is a a good hint because if you would have just asked, I would have thought Giancarlo Stanton the year he had the 59 home runs. Hmm. Early 2000s, I think when A-Rod went to the Rangers, they were bad and he was good. Actually, that's why they traded him. That's it, because they finished in last place, and then that was 03, and they traded him to the Yankees for 04. So, Alex Rodriguez. The Cardinals have 18 MVPs total. Two of them have been won unanimously in the voting. Pujols, with his third award in 2009, did it, but what other Cardinal also won the MVP award unanimously in the voting? I seem to recall Orlando Cepeda in 1967. For whatever reason, I that's the one that pops into my mind. So I'm going to first guess this one. I'm going to go Orlando Cepeda. Number three, who is the last full-time pitcher to win an MVP in either league? I'm going to go Justin Verlander with the... Tigers. I'll go Justin Verlander with the Tigers. Happy birthday to North American football legend Warren Moon. Moon started his pro career in Canada, winning five straight Grey Cups and an MVP in his six years north of the border. Which CFL team did he play for? (laughs) I believe he was an Edmonton Eskimo, was he not? I think he was. I can't tell you right now. I think he was. Although now we are through with the fight, and we do have a winner. No tiebreaker needed for today. On a Friday, fueled up by sugar, did Grandy maybe <laughs> crash a little bit too early with the soda and candy bar combo? Was Kyle able to come in and run into the weekend a winner, setting himself up for a second round on Monday? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. There it is, Randy Carricker with a 3-1 Randy, Randy, Randy. in the fight. Kyle, um, you put up a good fight. There were some tricky questions, but Randy Carricker swooped in and just he, he dominated. He does Randy Carricker things. That's the usual. <laughs> That's the usual. Thank you so much for playing, Kyle. You have a great rest of your weekend. You guys do the same. Thank you so much. And then a 3-1 win for Kyle. Let's go through all the answers. It was, in fact, Alex Rodriguez. Uh, you both got this one right. The only other player to win an MVP while on a last-place club club was Andre Dawson with the Cubs. And then Shouldn't Alex have won that year, by the Rodriguez way. Rodriguez in 2003. You were correct. It was, in fact, the Texas yeah. Rangers. Ozzy should have won in 1987. That makes a lot of sense. Kyle um, guessed the Mariners, I believe. He did guess the, uh, Rodriguez with the Mariners. you got to remember that's actually when the Mariners were good in the early 2000s. They yeah. had a lot of MVP candidates. I was going through the voting, and they, I tell you what, the 
craziest thing now is 20 years later to look at how for like a five-year stretch, the top five voting had either two Mariners or two Athletics wow. in it in the AL MVP voting almost like every year in the first like five years of 2000. It's incredible. But that's why Mariners still hold on hope. They mm-hmm. still believe because mm-hmm. they've seen it before in their lifetime. Where's they the know hope? it can happen again. Where's the hope for the Athletics then? Yeah, exactly. not right now. <laughs> uh, the Cardinals have 18 MVPs total. The have only been two to win it unanimously. It was Albert Pools and then Randy Carriker got this one correct. 1967, Orlando Cepeda got every single first place vote. Cha-cha. Who was the last full-time pitcher to win an MVP in either league? Obviously, full-time pitcher was necessary there with Shohei Otani winning it last year. It was Clayton Kershaw in 2014, the last pitcher to do it uh, three years prior is when Verlander won his. And then Warren Moon was, in fact, an Edmonton Eskimo for all six years of his Grey Cup and CFL dominance. I did not know this. They have since, not surprisingly, changed their name. They are now the Edmonton Elks. I wasn't aware of that I either. I had no idea. I found that out when I was researching that question. They are now the Edmonton Elks, but Randy wins that fight 3-1. to one. What, do you, what If you live in an igloo, what are you? An elk. An Inuit. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well done, Alexa. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. That's the fight. Coming up next, Blue Center Robert Thomas with his weekly visit on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. Forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Up to Thomas, partial break, shoots, he scores! Robert Thomas snuck behind the defense and he's tied it for the Blues. 6 11 to go in the second, it's a goal apiece. With Alexa Dat, I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and Robert Thomas joins us as he does every week here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Morning, guys. Doing well. How are you? Good. Okay, that was your goal in Colorado. Your mom is up in the suite. What was it like to score that goal? And it was a spectacular goal with your mom upstairs. Were you? Did, did you think of that as soon as you scored it? <laughs> uh, it took me a little bit to think of that, but... Uh, no, it was, it was really special. I mean, that, that whole mom's trip in general was, uh, it was a really cool experience for, for us as sons and I know the moms had the time of their lives. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool moment. One of the things that your mom said is that you're still using like the same shin, shin pads and shoulder pads from that she bought when you were a kid. Is this correct? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess they, they haven't been around my equipment in a while and I haven't seen it, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's still still the stuff that she bought me when I was 13, 14. And, uh, you know, I think that's pretty cool. She can stay there. She's still part of me. So uh, it's pretty pretty neat. The moms were all remarking at how the gear, although some of it has been upgraded, still smells to high heck. And that was something that she was laughing about. They all were. They put the gloves on. Your hands still smell for weeks on end. Is there any cure to that? Or you just roll with it because you're a hockey player? Uh, I mean, no, there's not really too much of a cure. Just shaving cream after the game usually helps. Oh, interesting. See, things you learn that, that we didn't know. That's right. Okay, Robert, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about an eight-game losing streak. Now we're talking about a five. Here, by the way, this is the number of the day. Oh, we, we don't have it. The, the number of the day. To arrive, the number of the day is five. So a five-game winning streak. What's the difference? Uh, winning and losing? Yep. 
that's about it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, I mean, great way to turn it around. That was a really hard road trip to come out with three wins. And, um, yeah, it was nice to have the moms there to turn it around. They can take some credit for that. And, um, yeah, I mean, our, our goalies have been playing amazing. Uh, I mean, you look at the performance Greiser put on last night and Vinners put on the last couple games. And, uh, you know, it's given our team a huge boost. Yeah, how much would you actually say that you guys are relying on your goaltenders right now? Because Grice, those 47 saves, Binner's been playing, you know, really, really well over these last couple of games, and they really seem to be the the pieces that are keeping you guys in these ones. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've they've been good for us all year, and I think both of them have just taken it to another level these last five games, and um, we've been playing a lot better in front of them, but um, you know, we still rely on them to make some big saves at key times, and. Uh, they've been doing it for us, so I uh, can't give them enough credit. How do you handle a day like today, Robert? You played on Monday in Colorado, Wednesday in Chicago, last night here at home. You've got to be exhausted. So how does a Friday unfold for Robert Thomas? Uh, there won't be too much, that's for sure. Um, you know, I still got my mom in town, so uh, I'm sure we'll we'll just hang out at the house, get a nice dinner in, and uh, that's pretty much it. Ain't got too much on the schedule. Has she done any sightseeing? Anything here in St. Louis that stood out to you to to show her and for you guys to do together? Uh, Not really too much. She loves shopping, so she always loves going to like Target and Trader Joe's. Those are her favorite stores, so she always makes sure to hit those. Oh, you and uh, your mom and me would be best friends. Target (laughs) and Trader Joe's, come on. Oh, yeah, she loves them. Uh, I'm not too much of a shopper, so I let her do it. Here's the thing, though, Robert, with Trader Joe's especially, they have great, easy, frozen things. So, like, you get their their frozen orange chicken, for example. It takes, like, five minutes to make, and it's delicious. Amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, just go through their frozen food aisle. You'll find a ton of stuff that you love. Okay. Beauty. Robert, in terms of going forward from this five-game win streak, what's the main takeaway that you guys want to improve on in order to keep this win streak alive? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, up until last game, I thought our third periods were a lot better when we got the lead and, um, you know, we were closing out games, playing the right way. And um, I think that's something we just got to keep on keep on building on because there's going to be a lot more tight games as you get towards the, the middle and end of the season. And uh, it's something you got to be prepared for. So I think that's our, our biggest takeaway to to keep on building off of. Robert, one of the interesting aspects about you is that for people that dig into your hockey history, you've always won and you've always been a really good player. And in talking to people around the team, they they talked about how some of the guys lost some confidence during the the course of that bad stretch. Did you ever or have you ever during the course of your career, your NHL career, felt like it's just not happening for me and felt like you weren't confident when, when you were on the ice in the game? Yeah, I think there's there's different ways you can kind of describe it. I think sometimes, um, yeah, definitely lost confidence. That's for sure. Um, it's hard. It's a hard thing to to get back once you lose it, and um, it's something that kind of just happens. You know, whether it's injuries or a bad stretch of games, you know, ten games or those kind of things. And um, you know, it's something that's really hard to work out of. But at the same time, it's pretty easy to get back. Um, you know, once things get going in the right direction. Um, there's also times you think uh, you're out there and you're overthinking and you're not just trusting your instincts and making those quick plays. And um, so I'd say those are the those are the two times that uh, when things don't go well, 
that usually creep in. And I would think as a young player, when a guy like Ryan O'Reilly says, yeah, I lost a little confidence, and he admittedly wasn't playing well, and he's been sensational for the last half dozen games. If Ryan O'Reilly can lose confidence, anybody in the NHL can. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a pretty common thing, and um, I mean, look at the way he's turned it around. He's been he's been leading us, and uh, he's he's the one guy that's that's taken it to another level, and everyone's followed behind him. So uh, it's pretty pretty special. Robert, how did you feel about the reverse retros last night? I feel like some players were tepid, maybe some were really you know hot on them. Callie Rosen called them sick last night. He was like, "Duh, these are sick, bro." And I agreed. I loved them. But what were your thoughts? I, I really liked them. I thought they're they're different. They're unique, and uh, I think they did a really nice job incorporating the the old Blues logos and stuff like that. So I thought they I thought they were really well done. Yellow seems to be a polarizing color, and Alexa and I both really like it. You like the yellow, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I love the yellow. I think it looks really good. Looks better after a win, too, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so next week, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you, but you guys are in Buffalo on Wednesday and then uh, in Tampa Bay on Friday. So Thursday for U.S. Thanksgiving, uh, you'll all be together. I would anticipate that you guys will all get together on Thursday and have a big old St. Louis Blues team Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, yeah, I think last, might have been last year or the year before, we were on the road again. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good time for you know, our team to get together again. Um, it's always nice when you, you got a big event like that on the road where, you know, you can get everyone together and celebrate Thanksgiving, and uh, it's a good team bonding time. So uh, I think that's probably what will happen, and um, we'll be looking forward to to, you know, having a nice meal and watching some football. We've been playing a game here this morning because next week we're going to have a Thanksgiving side draft. Robert Thomas has the first pick in the Thanksgiving side draft. What are you taking? Is that like sides for dinner? Yes. Oh, uh, I'm a mashed potato guy. Love yeah, potato. Robert, I love it. <laughs> are we putting garlic in our mashed potatoes? Because Joey V yeah. basically crucified me for that. We are. Absolutely. Thank you. Good play. Thank you. Yep. Well Nicely done. You know, nobody okay. said dress or stuffing or dressing yet. This is really interesting. It's good. Yeah. It's not the superstar. No, it's not number one. It's yeah. three or four. Good. So, Robert Thomas, uh, thanks so much for your time. Congratulations on the recent success. Go get them against Anaheim tomorrow and Monday. And if we don't talk to you before next Thursday, have a great Thanksgiving and a great trip. Yep. Thanks, guys. You as well. All right. Take care. That is Robert Thomas, Blue Center, joining us here on 101 ESPN. He's another guy, and that was a terrific goal against Colorado, but he's another guy that... uh, at times was having difficulty, I think confidence a big part of it, playing that 200-foot game. You just kind of have to get into a rhythm, and he seems to be back in that rhythm. Yeah, I think the schedule also was so bizarre for the beginning of the season for the Blues. And I know a lot of teams have been going through it because now you look at the schedule and the games played, and Blues have played more games than other teams have. Right. So everyone goes through it, but I think just the way it started with the Blues was awkward, and finding that rhythm was difficult, and then now they're they're clicking on all cylinders. That's Alexa. I'm Randy. Coming up, Paul Goldschmidt did win the MVP. What's the most important addition the Cardinals need to make to allow him to continue to succeed? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for Today's Big Thing.
Robert, congratulations. This is the first one of many more, hopefully, to come. Uh, Well-deserved. Um, what an honor to play with you this year. Uh, what I love about you is just the way that you conduct yourself, you know, off the field and the field, the great teammate that you are. And um, what an honor, you know, just to say I play the finals year in St. Louis and play, I would say, one of the best first basemen in the game right now. So congratulations. Enjoy with the family. And uh, the first one, but hopefully many more to come, brother. Man, wow, it's really special to have you, Albert. It was amazing, you know, to play with you. The kids to get to witness what you did this year. So uh, unbelievable the time you took, you know, even whenever we first met eight, ten years ago to, to coach me up and take the time to talk to me and to be the example you are for, for me and my kids. I mean, even Manny and Owen, we all, you know, are trying to play like you. So thank you. Albert Pujols introducing Paul Goldschmidt as the National League MVP last night. Alexa and Randy with you. It's 9.07. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Alexa, obviously, Goldie was magnificent. 317 batting average, 981 OPS led the league, 180 OPS plus uh, led the league. And he and Arnato tore things up. But when the Cardinals were great, they had the MV3. It was Pujols, Edmonds, and Roland. I am of the belief that the Cardinals need a third impact hitter to really be a legit lineup. They, they're really good with what they have right now. If they had the 2021 version of Tyler O'Neill, they'd be fine, but we can't count on that. First of all, do you agree with that, that they need at least one more impact bat? Yes, and I talked to Nolan about this during the season, by the way, earlier on, maybe midway through, and I said... What's the biggest hurdle for you and Goldie to get hot at the exact same time? Because it doesn't seem to be clicking right now where you guys are both on the same page, both working at elite levels at the exact same time. And he said, I know it's bizarre. We got to figure out a way to make it work. And they eventually did later on in the season. But you need both of those guys and then a third. But if those guys aren't going to be performing at a high level at the same time, then that third bat is going to be your savior. So for me, yes, you need another guy. You need to lengthen that lineup. I mean, look at some of the most dominant lineups in baseball. The length in those lineups is what gets them far. Yeah, if we look at the two World Series teams as an example, not many outs there. And one of the things that would benefit the Cardinals, we talked earlier about the possibility of uh, bringing in a shortstop, they just can't play Paul DeYoung every day anymore because he's. it's like having a pitcher hit. Unfortunately, he's not giving you the offense no. that you're looking for from that position. No. So, and you're hoping that the second baseman, whether it's Gorman or Donovan, will be able to s- sustain things. Obviously, we're all hoping that Jordan Walker comes up and provides impact. We're hoping that Tyler O'Neill stays healthy. We talked about Contreras. Contreras, if you could have him hit number five, if you would hit Donovan, Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, Contreras, and then hope for your number six hitter to be, whether O'Neill or Walker or whomever, to be an impact guy. You talk about length. That certainly lengthens things out. I would be okay with that for the first half of the season and then maybe get that impact bat at the trade mm-hmm. deadline. 
So you get maybe a, another starting pitcher, depending on how the rotation plays out, and an impact bat at the deadline instead of bringing in two pitchers because you won't necessarily need two starting pitchers then, which has kind of been the case over the last couple of years. So for me, if that's the route that you want to go, that's fine, but you have to secure a spot at that catcher role. And then you also have to make sure that whoever you bring up is going to be like the rookies that you brought up this year. I mean, that was kind of an anomaly. Everyone that you yeah. brought up performed and performed above the level that you expected. You're going to need that from some of these younger players. I know that a lot of people in baseball don't agree with my philosophy here. You can tell me if, if you agree. What you need behind Nolan Arenado is somebody who presents enough danger that a pitcher will think about that hitter when they're pitching to Arenado and say, I don't want to put him on base because I'm worried about the number five guy going yard on me. That's what you need. I don't think you can have the, the way Dylan Carlson has perf- performed so far. I, I don't think that's a number five hitter. I think you have, a, have to have a guy that presents the danger of hitting the ball out of the ballpark. A healthy Tyler O'Neill is perfect. I think so, too. You need a a threat there, Mm -hmm. for sure, and something to throw off the pitcher, something where you're going to have to pitch Nolan to get to whoever that player is, and you're going to have the opportunity for the Cardinals to score some runs in that time frame. Yeah, And by the way, one of the reasons that Goldie is the MVP is because Arenado was hitting behind him, right? That's right. Because nobody wanted to face Nolan Arenado, and you you are going to put Goldie on. By the way, Goldie's on base was 404. He walked uh, 79 times this year, and part of the reason for that 404 on base is that nobody wanted to face Nolan Arenado with a runner on. You need the protection in the lineup. And again, from these teams that we see go deep in the postseason, that's exactly what they have. And listen, starting pitching wins out ultimately anyway, but... In order to help out the the pitching, you got to be able to have those bats. And if you don't have a healthy Tyler O'Neill and he doesn't perform to the level that you expect, you got to make some adjustments. You got to make sure that what you're putting out there on the field is going to be really a, a dangerous and and a threat to the, to the opposition. And right now, we don't really know that that's the case. So that's got to be a, a major upgrade in the offseason for sure. There will be bets available at the deadline. You yeah. can always find a bat. And that, that's a really good point because what happens if you go get a hitter now and Jordan Walker comes up when that hitter is hurt and winds up being an 820 OPS guy with a bunch of home runs? Right. You've got your guy. Exactly. That's Alexa, I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our buddy Jeremy Rutherford, our blues insider from The Athletic, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. That is in for Kerry Davis. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, kind enough to join us. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Just uh, on my way to Tulsa, Oklahoma for a young hockey tournament for my son here. Oh, very nice. Is that a hotbed now for hockey? It must be. It seems like there's a lot of tournaments there. Yeah, it's funny when I tell people uh, we're heading to a hockey tournament. Oh, yeah, where? Wisconsin, Minnesota? No, heading to Oklahoma. 
Are we road tripping? How are we getting there? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the back seat. Actually, I had to pull over, make sure we got a good signal here to talk to you guys for a few minutes. But uh, yeah, just a road tripping with the wife and the son here. All right, JR, what's the ultimate road trip snack? What do you guys got packed? What do you guys drink? What are you munching on? What do you got? You know, I didn't have much time to prepare for this one because we were gone for about six or seven days uh, on that road trip, and then you come home and play one last night. Like, I always think about that. These players have to actually play. Like, I get tired just going (laughs) to the cities and getting on the planes and coming home, and yet they have to play. So sometimes uh, I don't know how they do it. And I was looking at that situation last night. You know, it's obviously a tough uh, second, third period for the Blues, but you look back, what, it's three games in four days. It's uh, four and six, five and eight. Seven and eleven. That's a, that's a tough stretch they've been through. So I can feel their pain a little bit as I head to Oklahoma today. Jr. Pro tip for you: In 1985, when the Cardinals were in the World Series, I had a little tiny car. It was a Honda CRX, and Joan and I are driving across the state to Kansas City for World Series games one and two, and we stopped in St. Peter's at the White Castle. Not a great move <laughs> for a road trip. So that's not a not a snack for a road trip. You know what? I am a White Castle guy, but yeah, Alexa, you're asking what the uh, what are we packing? We are not stopping at White Castle, <laughs> the Oklahoma. Will it be like a gas station run where we get some beef jerky and maybe some pistachios, or is there like a planned uh, maybe go through the drive through and grab some burgers? Yeah, anything but garlic mashed potatoes. I think would be the. Wow. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm I do like the uh, beef jerky, but hey, are we on the same page here? When you go to a gas station for for beef jerky, like you have to get into your four hundred one k to be able to afford some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. Right? It's like yeah, eighteen dollars for a package of that stuff. But uh, I'm sure we'll stop it at some point. You guys know me; I didn't get to you know two hundred ninety five pounds eating <laughs> rice cakes. By the way, do we uh, do we do or not do gas station sushi? Oh, I don't think I could do that. And I, the reason I would tell you that, I'm a, I love sushi, but uh, when you go to Vancouver and Seattle and, mm. and hit some of their sushi, you get a little bit spoiled on these road trips. So uh, I don't know if I could do the gas station stuff. All right, JR, real blues, the five-in-a-row win blues and three-in-a-row win blues, or the eight-in-a-row <laughs> loss blues. Which are the real ones? Oh, gosh. I got to tell you, I, you know, I know that 10 days ago we were talking about who do you trade. I realized that. You know, a lot of people want to say, now you're writing about blowing up this team. Look, that was that was about as tough as I've seen a team play. And, and of course, you know, when it's a record, eight-game losing streak, it's, it's got to be the toughest stretch of hockey that uh, any Blues fan has seen. I, I did feel that they were better than that, yeah, a lot better than that, and they weren't showing it. But I think that you can look at it critically and say, even though they're better than that, can they get it back? And they've done a phenomenal job getting it back. They, they really have. So – you know, which team are they? Um, they've won five in a row. I think that they can be this team, but it's going to take some veteran leadership, which we've seen during this last stretch, and the coaching staff has done a great job as well uh, to get through this. I don't know if you guys have seen the stat. This is pretty remarkable. But there have been teams that have gone on a long losing streak like the Blues did and then come back with a winning streak, and the record is six games. I think it's uh, San Jose and, and Philadelphia – where they lost eight-plus games, and then they went on to win six in a row. So the Blues just one win away from that record after an eight-plus game losing streak. So pretty remarkable. 
That is very interesting. Yeah, and the other stat that, that stood out to me was something about Thomas Grice, who was outstanding last night with those 47 saves. And, you know, you, you could put it in a... Um, under a microscope and say, you know, he he's really excellent because you, he got his first Blues win and he wasn't getting the offense earlier this season that, you know, you would have liked to see. But just overall in his career, 8-2-1 when facing 45-plus shots. That save percentage is 941. So my question for you, JR, is are the Blues, I mean, I, I guess the, the way to say this is, is the Blues, like, in the best possible spot goaltending wise with Bennington and Grice that they've been in in the past couple of years it's been incredible and you know I think that uh, when they've had some backup goalies over the years we all know that Brian Elliott even Jake Allen when he was uh, backing up at some point I think gave him a good tandem you look at Billy Husso last year terrific Thomas Grice guys last night I'm watching the game and after a couple of those saves I'm thinking this is Grice starting. This isn't Bennington, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It, it was amazing. And on one of the Grice saves, I looked down at the Blues bench where Jordan Bennington sits, and he's taking his arm and banging the glass, you know, showing his support for Thomas Grice. So it's been phenomenal. Hey, listen, we're 15 games or so into the season. We can kind of take it for granted now that the goaltending's been good. But don't forget that that was the biggest question heading into the season. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how Jordan Bennington was going to play. And we certainly didn't think that Thomas Grice – was going to look like this. Now, has he had a couple hiccups? Yes, but gosh, he's getting a lot of shots, guys. Uh, if you look at the breakdown and the shots against for Bennington, 29.9 in his 12 starts. For Grice in his uh, four starts, 42.3. Like wow. 42, 42 shots per game when Grice has been in that. He was terrific. The goaltending has been uh, the best element of the Blues so far and uh, really kept them where they're at. JR, you have written about and reported on Colton Pareko missing the last couple of games. What's the latest? Well, he's going to miss, uh, you know, the past two games for sure, and we'll see what happens with these uh, back, well, not back-to-back, but two games in a row against uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I talked to Craig Bruby after the game in Chicago the other night, and he said that uh, it's going to be day-to-day, we'll wait and see. So, you know, Craig Bruby did come out and say uh, yesterday that it's not related to the back. You know, I'm going to take him at his word for that. I know there's a lot of situations where the team, the coach, has to protect the player. And in this situation, yeah, you know, it's his, it's his health, it's his injury. These things are, are quiet, but, uh, you know, they're just going to have to monitor the situation. The one thing that Craig Ruby said the other day that the words that kind of stuck out to me was he said he's going to have to let the injury settle down. So to me, that's not a situation where it seems like uh, one, two games and you can bounce right back. We'll see. But uh, he played phenomenally. In Colorado, you're talking, what, 24 minutes, great down the stretch, played that final two minutes, six on three penalty kill. Uh, they win the game there. Colton Preco, that big hit on Nathan McKinnon. So whatever he's dealing with, you know, hopefully he can get through it. But he's been playing uh, really good here lately for the Blues. So they, they definitely missed him last night. You could see it. Yeah, absolutely. But I do feel like the way that the defense has stepped up in his absence has been pretty remarkable. I mean, Rosen is way more than I think that what you were going to get from him. And Mikola out there blocking shots. Overall, I think this defense, I mean, there were some question marks obviously going into the season and then some question marks during that eight-game losing streak. But stepping up huge here without Pareko, this is big for this team. Yeah, Mikola's been huge. I think he's taken that next step for sure. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. They're definitely going to want to bring him back. And uh, a quick story behind the scenes the other night. So Rosen has the goal in Chicago, and the Blues come off the ice. They're taking off their gear, and they kind of walk to a different uh, dressing room. And I happen to be standing next to right where 
uh, Vladimir Tarasenko past Callie Rosen in the hallway. And as he's passing him, he looks at Rosen and he says, hey, sniper. Scoring <laughs> <With the way laughs> here lately. So uh, it's pretty funny. Rosen's been playing really well, uh, really getting into that offensive zone, pinching, keeping plays live. Uh, I think we've seen a situation with the Blues where some of these third periods, they're really hanging on for dear life. But again, a lot of games, and especially last night, past couple of games when you're missing Colton Preco, that's going to be the situation because he logs so much of that late game ice time. JR, one more thing. And you you guys have been down to Tulsa for tournaments in the past, right? Yeah. Yep. Have you ever stopped at the over-the-highway McDonald's down there? I think I've uh, seen it. I don't know that we've stopped there, but uh, maybe this time. That's pretty cool. Yeah, here. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and hey, uh, I do have a, uh, a, a mom's trip story for you guys, if you got one more second. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So only this would happen to me, right? So um, in a couple nights ago, we are in the mom's suite, and I'm trying to interview as many moms as possible. And I talked to Nathan Walker's mom, and I'm asking her for some great moment with Nathan growing up around Christmas time. Do you have any good Christmas stories? And she's telling me a story about how Nathan scored a goal uh, near Christmas, and it was against Marty Turco, and it was a huge goal. Well, she decides that she wants to YouTube it to get the accurate information. So she hands me her ice cream cone. All the moms are having dessert. <laughs> The dessert tray, the dessert tray just comes by the suite. So she hands me her ice cream cone. So for 15 minutes, I'm holding this ice cream cone. I, I got ice cream dripping down my hand while she's googling this goal, so we can find it. Guys, listen. All I can think of is that you know how it is when a Blues player scores on the mom's oh, trip. Yeah. The, Alexa, your camera is going to go to the mom's booth, right <laughs> to the suite. And here's Jeremy holding an ice cream cone. So that's. That's what happened. Ivan Barbashev scored the goal in the third period the other night. I went down on a knee with that ice cream cone just to get out of the shot. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Oh and did it wind up melting all over your hand, or did she? Have, was there any left for her when she was when she found the video? <laughs> no, I was uh, I, I was eating the cone and finishing up the ice cream for her. When, <laughs> by the time she got to that goal, so uh, no, it was it was something. But um, just a great trip overall. A tremendous job by the Blues to to put that on. I know I was talking to Chris Zimmerman last night and, and uh, the blues do a phenomenal job with it. And, and, you know, it does, that costs a pretty penny for them to, to put the ladies up and uh, do those things, but very, very well deserved for the moms. And I can I can tell you, they are so appreciative. Every single one you talk to just so appreciative. I would be super appreciative if they would have like a media person's trip. I would love that. <laughs> yep. JR, Alexa, Randy, Matthew, CD, everybody. Congrats, JR, by the way, on not becoming an instant Instagram meme because right. you could have you could have easily done that with the melting ice cream cone after the goal. So oh, good I job do, avoiding I, that. Alexa, I said this is going to be a meme. And when I heard uh, the booth erupt, I mean, I went straight down. <laughs> I good don't play. recover. Good play. JR, safe travels, man. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And uh, good luck to your son on uh, over the weekend in the tournament. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. That's Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the St. Louis Battlehawks have their roster, and we're going to talk to the XFL's Senior Vice President of Player Personnel, Doug Whaley, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Valley Sports in for Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, who's out today. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And 
Doug Whaley, who is the Senior Vice President of Player Personnel for the XFL, joins us. Doug, thanks so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having us. We're we're excited to uh, be on in St. Louis this morning, but more importantly, excited that the Battlehawks have some players to talk about. Yeah, we're very excited about the the 57 players they drafted. Hey, before we get into the XFL, you were formerly an executive with the Buffalo Bills, and the the Bills had to move their game in the NFL this weekend because of the weather. How much do you miss the in Buffalo, Doug? (laughs) Well, let's put it this way. It is something that I enjoy my time in Buffalo, and Buffalo is very professional when it comes to snow removal. They know what they're doing, but when Mother Nature dumps a couple feet on you. I don't care how much professionalism you have. It's just something you don't want to ever go through, and I don't miss it at all. Our buddy Joey Vitale would be diving in those snow snow banks, right? He's now doing this <laughs> right. cold immersion stuff, which is just uh, yeah, a little too cold for us. We're going to stay in, in the warmer weather. Doug, in terms of the XFL coming here to St. Louis, or I guess uh, returning here to St. Louis, what do you envision as the biggest draw for this team in terms of the the names on the roster or just the fact that football is back? I think it's going to be a combination. I mean, the fan base proved last time last time that they have a ferocious appetite for football. And then when you bring in a coach like Anthony Beck and the mentality that his team's going to portray on the field, I think it's going to be really synonymous with what St. Louis uh, exemplifies as, as a city. And then when you think about players, uh, obviously it's a quarterback-driven league and it's a quarterback driven sport so with their quarterbacks of A.J. McCarron obviously uh, has some pelts on the wall from being in Alabama and being in the NFL and being a productive guy and then really the backup Ryan Willis out of Virginia Tech he's really intriguing because he brings a little different element so I mean he was MVP of the spring league so he knows about these spring leagues these alternative leagues and he's been also in a camp with the Chicago Bears. Uh, so it's going to be a nice little mix of experience, but uh, a quarterback with some upside. And then, like, like I was saying about Anthony Beck, the mentality that his team is going to portray on the field is going to be a mentality of a team that loves football, a team that's going to be tough, and a team that's going to make sure they do the right things and put themselves in position to win. Doug, one of the impressions I got from the last iteration of the XFL here in St. Louis was that these are players that are, are just a half inch away from being in the NFL. Rather than running a 4-4, they run a 4-5. Rather than weighing 235, they, rate, they weigh 225. But I thought the th- competitive level of the last iteration of the XFL was really, really good, and we saw good games. Is that an accurate read, though, of the personnel? You hit it right on, and, and and what we say is these guys are in our league for what for a circumstance, be it injuries, be it being in a stocked NFL roster where they had 13 rod receivers and they were 14, or being in a position in college where they didn't get that coaching to maximize their development. So what they need is a place like us, a place like the XFL, to get seasoned, to get professional coaching and be in a professional setting and try to have their growth uh, on an upward trajectory. And what we're looking at as the XFL, I say we're either going to be a springboard or a soft landing. It's going to be a springboard for someone that needs those extra games and that film and time on the field to promote the springboard them to the NFL, or they're going to be really excellent 
XFL players and be able to live out their dream of, of a professional athlete, but have a soft landing as they transition out of professional sports into their uh, regular lives. Doug, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you guys have had with the XFL returning and whether it's finding venues for the teams to play or, you know, getting guys to to come to be part of the XFL? What is something that you not only have seen as a challenge, but maybe have been able to overcome that you thought, okay, yeah, this could really work? I think the biggest challenge is just starting something from scratch. And and it's it's not a a regular startup. You're talking about a sports league. And when you're talking about a sports league on this size, because it's football. And when you think about it, everybody says, well, why don't you put it in this city? Why don't you put it in that city? The biggest challenge we saw last time were finding facilities that could house a football team. You're talking about 60, 70 players, a coaching staff. You need weight rooms. You need training rooms. You need fields. You need something as important as industrial laundry. So those are the biggest challenges, and that's one of the reasons why we are going to set a lot all our teams in the Arlington, te- Texas area because of the ferocity of football and the facilities that they have to help us be able to get out and have competitive balance with each of our eight teams. So that was the biggest challenge, and I think we have a great solve for it. Uh, But other than that, uh, starting a football team from zero, the the work that all our teams put in, the coaching staff and the director of player personnel, because when you think about it, when you look at the NFL draft, most teams are at eight, nine picks. Maybe you have 12. When you're looking at college signings, they're about 20 to 25. These guys had to start from zero and and build a team of 50-some players. And that is, that's an incredibly amount of work and a lot of diligence in, in trying to unearth these, these, these talented players that will be representative of St. Louis and the Battlehawks. Doug Whaley is the Senior Vice President of Player Personnel for the XFL. Doug, as you know, we kind of thought we were the, the crown jewel last time when things got going, and St. Louis was going to draw 40000 for their next home game if the the previous iteration of the XFL had had returned. You've got a lot of Battlehawks fans listening. What are your expectations of St. Louis and St. Louis fans? Oh, we are very excited about St. Louis and St. Louis fans. They proved to us last time, and there's no doubt about it, that they are going to be the venue that is going to be the loudest and the scariest place to play because that everybody knows a team can feel, feed off the energy that the crowd gives. And the, the times that I went to St. Louis, it was amazing. And we're excited, and we're just ready to go and ready to see those screaming Battlehawk fans uh, to show their, their love for the XFL and the Battlehawks. What's the anticipation like for players, especially those with NFL experience or maybe those uh, that haven't had that experience yet, going up against each other in this league? I think that the feel is a little bit of excitement, but also a little bit of of determination. Like, hey, this is uh, I can't now say I didn't get a shot. So now it's on me. I'm going to be able to go out in a professional setting and show what I can do. So I would say a little nervous anticipation, but uh, as professional athletes, 
those are those those situations you yearn for. And I think the biggest thing now is everybody, now that they have teams and they know what they're doing, where they're going, is the communication between the coaching staff and the players to say, hey, this is what we expect when you get into camp. This is the culture we're going to set. This is our practice times. This is how we're going to practice. So learning each other is going to take a little bit of time, but we have a five-week training camp, and that's one of the reasons we stretched it out. So when we hit the field on that first game, the Battle Hawks are playing as well as they can coming out of training camp. Hey, Doug, before we let you go, you have spent several months evaluating players, and Houston took a quarterback that played high school ball about 10 minutes from where we're broadcasting from. Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan is a a St. Louis kid, and we really didn't look at him as a guy that would be a a quarterback at the professional level when when he was in high school. Obviously, he is. What did you see from him in camps, and what can he be? I think he can be a guy that battles, uh, and that's the beauty of this league. You can project, you can project, but they get a chance to prove it on the field. And what we saw was enough physical ability, but also enough of that quarterback acumen. And when people say, what does that mean? That just means knowing when to throw balls, knowing where the open spaces and zones are, being able to put balls in places where the receiver or can make a play after the catch or throwing him away from coverage. So those are those little things that we see in that quarterback acumen that that he's displayed. Now he's got to take that next step and put it all together and be consistent production, throw, give consistent production on the field. But he's the perfect type of quarterback for our league. Just needs more reps and be in position to show it in a professional setting and on a game day, day in, day out. Doug Whaley, we're so looking forward to having the XFL back in St. Louis. We appreciate your time this morning. Have a good weekend, and I'm sure as the season approaches, we'll visit again. Thanks for having me. and Enjoyed it very much. Take Thanks, care. Doug. Take care. Doug Whaley, he is the XFL Senior Vice President of Player Personnel. Oh, by the way, he was at the helm of the Buffalo Bills personnel when they traded the eighth pick in the draft that wound up being Tavon Austin to St. Louis, the Rams, and the Rams traded out of the 16th pick. The Rams could have just sat at number 16 and taken DeAndre Hopkins, who (laughs) turned out to be okay, Uh, but they wound up with Tavon Austin instead. Mm. And Doug Whaley was trading down so that he could take EJ Manuel, so that wasn't so great either. Uh, Matthew's got his head in his hands over here. I can't. Rams draft stories just do it to me every time. It's just, it's nothing makes me sadder more quickly than Rams draft stories, especially the ones where I was like a lot more locked in, like post 2006 when I was watching all seven rounds of the draft and -hmm. things like that. And those ones turn the knife. The Adam Carrickers, the Brian Leonard's, the Donnie Avery's. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, I was fired up about Tavon Austin. If Mike Martz has yes. Tavon Austin, Tavon Austin is a star. Tavon's, Tavon Austin's problem in the NFL was his coach. Mm. So it happens. I mean, I, listen, a lot of people made fun of them for having him like run the ball. Just As long as it's not like a, a, you know, a halfback dive, I'm fine with that concept, but they would run him up yep. the middle, and it's like, That's what great. are you doing? <laughs> hey, a little game of over-under with What's on Tap coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So, Dad, you a big country music fan? I do like country music. I'm a huge Dixie Tricks 
Dixie Chicks fan. Another, just the Chicks. Oh, that's right. Yes, the Chicks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you aware wow, of Thomas bad. Rhett? Thomas Rhett's coming in concert. I like him a lot. Yeah, we have your chance to score a pair of free tickets to his home team tour with special guest Cole Swindell on Saturday, May 20th at Enterprise Center. <laughs> tickets are on sale now. What are you laughing at? Come on, it's Cole Rocky, Swindell. Are you okay? <laughs> You, you can also find a bonus chance to win free tickets right now at 101 ESPN. He's put so much on that accent. Jesus. Cole Swindell. Doesn't that sound country? So Sounds bad. good to me. There you go. Okay, so uh, Thomas Rhett, I don't know if he's related, but back in the 90s, there was an NFL running back named Eric Rhett. E-R-R-I-C-T. Eric Rhett. And By the I, way, you could have dropped the T, right? Like, come yeah. on, Mom and Dad. Yeah, come on. We're right, trying exactly. too hard. Yeah. I want you to tell us, and you need to be, uh, let me find his number for you. Texture number 32. What was the main franchise that Eric Rett played the preponderance of his career with? He played four years with this team and then two years with Baltimore and a year with Cleveland. But what was his first team, and did you ever have him on your fantasy team? Tickets to see Thomas Rhett, if you know what the main team Eric Rhett, Eric Rhett played for. There you Dude, go. That's not even the Rhett I think about when I think about NFL players. Hmm, who do you think of? Former Oklahoma and then Bowling Green quarterback Rhett Bomar. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is so wild yeah. to me because the name Brett Romar sounds like an actual real name where Rhett Bomar sounds made up. It's true. All right. <laughs> that's Rhett Bomar sounds like a yeah. made up name. Let's play some quick over under. Illinois and Michigan. Michigan a 17 and a half point favorite over the Illini. All we're picking, Alexa, is the over under. And the total here is 40 and a half for. Illinois and Michigan. Are you going over or under? I'm going over. Over for Alexa. Matthew? Randy, I'm going under. I like to predict the scores of these games. I okay. predicted all these like accidentally, like within like one point of the over-under. I'm going under. I'm with Alexa. I'm going over here because I think Michigan might score 42 on their own yep. in this game. All right. Uh, Alexa's Terps, Maryland, is a 27.5 point underdog to Ohio State. A home game. And the over-under here is an outrageous 63.5. Under. Okay. Absolutely. Wildly Absolutely under. an under on this one. Wildly. I'm going to go under as well. All right. USC is a two and a half point favorite at UCLA. The over under on this one is 76 and a half. This is going to be a big deal. This game is mm-hmm. huge. This is like, you know, UNC Duke. This is going to be yeah. a, a show. Uh, I'm going over. Give me all the points. Why not? Good call. I'm going under, but I will say this USC minus two and a half is free money. I could see this being absolutely 45, 42. I can see this being an 87-point game. So, Alexa, I'm with you. I'm going over. Love it. All right. Let's go to uh, one more note from that game. USC quarterback Caleb Williams to score a touchdown. He's plus 165. We just go yes or no here. Will Caleb Williams at plus 165 score a touchdown? They just lost their running back. He's going to have to do a little bit extra to win this game, so I'm going yes. I'll go yes. I'm going yes also. Okay, all of us are making that bet. And Mizzou is a 29.5-point favorite at home tomorrow night over New Mexico State. The over-under in this game is 46-and-a-half. I'll take the over. I mean, if Drink can't dial up 30 points against New Mexico State, then what are we doing here? I'm taking the over. And I'm going to go under. I think he might dial up 30, but I think the defense will be good. I think maybe a, a 31 to 10 kind of a game. I, had I think you 17. beat up on the bad teams, though, as much as you can to get that work in. I had 31-17. Yeah. There, there we go. All right, to the NFL quickly. Carolina at Baltimore. The Ravens are a 13-point favorite. The over-under in this game, only 41 and a half. I'm still going under. It's a low number, but I'm still staying under on this one. Baker Mayfield, I think, for the Panthers now, I'm not buying it. Okay. I'm going over. 
I, I just think this is going to be more of a shootout than people think. I think Lamar goes crazy, and that running game is healthy now after a bye week. I'm going over on this one, too, and I think Baltimore is going to score most of those points. Yeah. Philadelphia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Indianapolis. The over-under is 45-and-a-half for Jeff Saturday against Nick Sirianni. Under. I'm going to go under. I think this is a close one. I think Philly's going to be a little bit rattled after that Washington loss. I don't think rattled. I just don't think you're going to see the over, so I'm going under. I'm going under, too, because I don't think that I really don't think that uh, Indianapolis is going to score much. Dallas is at a point and a half favorite at Minnesota. Who would have thought the Cowboys and Vikings would be in week 11, the game of the week? The over-under is 47.5 for the Cowboys and the Vikes. I wrote down 31-30 Vikings. I'm going to go over. Mm-hmm. I'm going over, too. This will be a true shootout. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm going over as well. You like that? Uh, and then Dak Prescott plus 490 to score a touchdown. So you put 100 bucks down and Dak scores a touchdown from the one and you win 490. All, yes they, got, no? all they got is running backs on that team right now. Come on, I'm going no on that one. Okay. I'm going yes. He's got to show up and show out against I, the Vikings. They're 8 and 1. Cowboys are 6 and 3. Still have something to prove. I got to tell you, if I were going to make a bet on FanDuel Sportsbook, I would make this bet, right? At plus 490. But for these purposes, I'm going to go no. Okay. And finally, Cincinnati, a three and a half point favorite at Pittsburgh. The over-under in this game is 40.5. Uh, division game, I think Cincinnati beats up on the rivals. I'm going to go over. Okay. I'm going to go under. Doesn't feel like a game where it's more than 40 points in this one. One thing we know for sure is that Pittsburgh is scoring 10. And without Jamar Chase, I say Cincinnati probably wins at 30-10, to 10, and this is why Vegas is so good, but I'm going under as well, Alexa. So there you have it. It's going to be a wild and woolly weekend of sports. Great job, as always, by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Alexa, this was fantastic, and uh, you are headed back home for Thanksgiving. Enjoy that. Thank you. Thanks for having me, too. I had a blast. Uh, love having you in, and we'll do it again sometime. I'm curious taking some time off before the end of the year. Okay, so sounds we'll good. It. And maybe we got you a rehearsal dinner spot. I know. Well, you know what? Randy, you always come through with suggestions. Anytime I need them, now I know I can always come to you. So thank you. Absolutely. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.